You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Don't underestimate the Jesuits. Today, when you talk about the Jesuits, then people say, Old hat, there's no such thing. A bunch of people dressed in black, it's only a handful. They have no relevance on this planet. I have news for you, they run the planet. Even if there are members in high places in our own church that don't want to believe it, that's their problem. Don't make it yours. The papacy is regarded as antichrist. Directly. Of course, the spirit of prophecy says so. I turned around and there he was next to me. And I just turned to him and said, Hello, friend. Are you a Jesuit? And he says, Yes. With a big smile. You see all of his teeth. I said, Well, listen. I'm very interested in, in the Jesuits. I've read some about them. And what would you think about what was invented in the Council of Trent? And the infiltration of the Jesuits into Protestantism. And the use of the Jesuits through organizations like the Illuminati. And the Futurism theory. The secret rapture that they invented for the Protestants. And I talked about a lot of those things. And he had a, like a metamorphosis take place. His, his face became rigid. His mouth went away. He looked me right in the eyes and he said, you have quite a bit, don't you? If these men who are in positions of power over these agencies, over the Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, whatever, if these men do not do what they are told, they are removed with either death or being discredited. Because the Jesuit Order has a very active assassination squad throughout all the nations of the earth, controlled by the intelligence communities, as well as the international Sicilian Mafia, which is also controlled by the Jesuits, and the Mafia, the Russian Mafia, Sicilian Mafia, the American Mafia, all controlled by the Vatican, through high-level Freemasonry and the Knights of Malta, they work in conjunction with the international military intelligences, intelligence agencies, as well as the civilian intelligence agencies. Don't underestimate the Jesuits. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 91. 91. And that number just keeps getting higher. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> it's my dad joke. As you guys can probably hear, maybe not, hopefully, I don't know, maybe. Um, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. Got a little bug. Got a little uh, congestion going on. But, um, it's those vaccines, man. I told you not to get them. I know. It's all of the vaccines that I'm getting. <laughs> I'm just getting loads and loads of adult vaccinations. No, so there's that. And so you'll hear my voice being a little bit deeper, a little bit raspier. But, uh, you know, I, I, do, I do an okay job of, for the most part, staying engaged. So you should do that, too. No excuse. Yep. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's it. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) Is there something that we should talk about here? Uh, You know, maybe up at the top, maybe we'll just mention this because I don't know how many people make it all the way to the end. But just uh, just at the top here, you guys know about Facebook. You have a Facebook and you also have iTunes, probably. Now, if you are looking 
to support Canary Cry Radio just in an awesome way. A good way to do that is to like our Facebook page. Just search Canary Cry Radio. We're there. Also, on iTunes, leave a rating or a review, and that'll be awesome. Helps us out. Let's everybody know what's going on, why you enjoy Canary Cry Radio or not. Who knows? You can also make a financial support, I guess, on CanaryCryRadio.com. Most of you probably already know this, but this is just for those of you who are too impatient to stick till the end. So there you go. Yep. Anything else? Well, we got good reviews from people. We appreciate your reviews on iTunes. It's awesome. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's always good to hear from you. And It's good. Makes us feel happy. Yeah. And uh, we're approaching episode 100. And it's going to be the most weirdest, awesome episode Don't ever. Make promises. That's not a very. It's so vague. I, I know. So there you go. Vague. It's a vague. But promise. now we're forced to just do something ridiculous. Well, I already have a plan. Uh, excuse me. You're supposed to share your plans with me before we talk about them on air. Yeah. Well, I've already put it together. Gons and- is going rogue, everybody. No, but it will be cool. 100th episode. We're looking forward to it. I don't know why it's taken us so long. Other podcasts get 100 episodes in like a year. <laughs> yeah, they tend to publish um, consistently. Well, we publish consistently too, but it's not as... Yeah, we're consistently inconsistent. It's good. It's a whole new, it's this whole new thing we're going for. whole new thing. It's, it's, yeah. good for, it's good for us, not so good for our listeners who are eagerly waiting for every episode. Just keeps you on your toes. They're probably eagerly waiting for this episode to start, so let's let them do that. All right. All right? Here we go, everybody. Get ready. Get into it. Type in the word Illuminati into a Google search, and you will be bombarded with some 42 million hits and hundreds of thousands of conspiracy-related websites allegedly exposing the nefarious activities of this elusive group of dark overlords over the society of Earth. And while the mockers mock the prospect of such global leaders who pull the strings behind the scenes of the world's political, economic, military, and even ecumenical movements, others have provided extensive evidence that lead to no other conclusion but to the undeniable existence of such a group. One man who took on the task of documenting over 2,000 sources to build his case for the existence of the Illuminati is Johnny Cerucci, author of the book Illuminati Unmasked, Everything You Need to Know About the New World Order and How to Beat It. We want to welcome Johnny onto the show. Johnny, what's up, buddy? John, it is a pleasure be both with both of you and Basil, the, the soldier of Christ that he is, kind of feeling under the weather. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely awesome. Big fan. Just finished listening to your fantastic interview with Rebecca Roth this morning, mm-hmm. and um, it made me think of a couple of things. The first thing that came to my mind was uh, this passage, Matthew ten sixteen, where where the Lord's sending out his disciples. And obviously, I, I'm very familiar with you guys. I know you, and I know that your audience is going to be familiar with our Christian view, and I'll throw out my little disclaimer that, that if you're not, that we have a Christian worldview. Yeah. So we, we consider the the, uh, the inerrant, the Bible is an inerrant word of God. And uh, the Lord sending out his disciples, he said, behold, I send you out a sheep in the midst of wolves, be as shrewd as serpents, which means 
think the way your enemy thinks and be as innocent as doves, which means walk with compassion and empathy, but, but don't be a pushover and take a stand. And that's, and that's Matthew ten sixteen. And And listening to your, your interview with Rebecca Roth this morning, I think it was God that said, you know, how, how can the elite, and, and I like that you used the word Luciferians, uh, I think it was Ugon's, and, and I absolutely agree with that, and, and I use that word Luciferian because it basically describes them as serving Lucifer, whether willingly or unwillingly, right. and regardless of who they think Lucifer is, whether they actually believe him to be the devil or to be uh, you know, the Prometheus, the light bearer, he's still the enemy, he's still the bad guy. How can they conduct something like 9-11 in the age of information? And here's, here's the answer as I was talking to my, my phone as I was playing your podcast. Here's the answer. By completely controlling 98% of the media and infiltrating the other 2% to sow disinformation. Yeah. And as I was listening to Rebecca, some of my, my spidey sense went off because she was pushing hard the idea that the Zionists and the Israelis and the Mossad were behind 9-11. And that's really kind of an um, indicator of a CIA asset because clearly as powerful as the Mossad is, and trust me, Israel is run by the same Luciferians, the same elite that uh, run the United States and the West, but they are a junior player. The senior player is uh, here in the United States uh, at the CIA, and to get into our, our topic is is who re- who really runs the CIA, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, and and Basil, you were you were struggling to think of some some false flags, and I quickly wrote down some off the top of my head. The fires of Rome, Nero started the fires of Rome, blamed it right. on the Christians. That's right. Uh, right. The destruction of the Maine in 1898, the, the magazine went off in the Maine, and, and it clearly was set inside the, the vessel. The, the sinking of the Lusitania in 1915, yeah. everybody knew that the Lusitania had weapons on it. Uh, the, the Germans knew the Germans were trying to tell people, don't go on, don't passenger civilians, stay off the Lusitania. The uh, Hitler and the Reichstag fire of 1932, yeah. um, and then later in, in 39. Uh, the, the Germans went into a, their radio station in Gliwitz, torched it, and then blamed the Poles as a, as a reason for starting World War II. Uh, Operation Northwoods in 1962, where our own military, uh, our admirals and generals said, hey, I got an idea. Let's go ahead and blow up some sailors, and we'll blame it on the Cubans. What? What? Are you kidding me? The the, uh, the the Maddox, the incident in the Gulf of Tonkin, which probably never happened. The uh, the USS Liberty in '67, which was beginning of the the beginning of the anti-Zionist movement when the with pardon me the Israelis were doing basically what uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson told them to do: send that GD ship to the bottom. Uh, Operation Gladio, which uh, and this this is always key. Gladio is named after the, the Roman short sword, the Gladius. So whenever you see that, uh, that trace back to Rome, so many people were killed during Operation Gladio. There were like four different incidents in Italy, Piazza, Fontana bombing, the Pitano terrorist uh, um, bombing, uh, ex- the Italicus Express and Train bombing, uh, Bologna massacre. Almost like 300 people were murdered. And this is all at the hands of NATO, our own military supposedly protecting right. us. Uh, and then on into the United States, and the United States now is, is the epicenter of false flags. World Trade Center 93, Oklahoma City bombing 95, 9-11, and basically every modern mass shooting 
from Sydney to Ottawa, Paris, Charlie Hebdo to Sandy Hook. They're, they're in a, a breakneck pace to usher in the, the one world order. And when I see and hear people say, it's the Zionists, it's the Jews, my, my spidey sense goes up because I know that that is a, um, a, a patented tactic of the folks that, that I want to talk to today about, and that's the Jesuits. Ooh, the Jesuits. And, you know, I was, I was telling Basil beforehand of your research in that area, and I often get messages and comments and stuff like that where people are always like, yeah, you know, the Illuminati, the Dark Order, or whatever, but, but why aren't you exposing the Jesuits? They're behind everything. And, and, you know, right. and so, like, people are always enraged about that. And I, I think you, you, uh, you, know, you covered a lot of that with Derek Gilbert's uh, View from the Bunker, and, and those were really good, and we'll link to those in the description section, but what led you down this path? Like what started you uh, looking at even the Illuminati in general? And then how did you stumble into the whole Jesuit thing? That's a great question. Uh, shout out to our brother, Derek. And um, I still have a lot of contact with him. I love, love his work and his show. It, it started with a frustration. I'm, I'm very goal oriented. Uh, I don't like it when people say, uh, globalists, or before I understood what Illuminati meant, they would say Illuminati, and it had no meaning to me. And I think that was part of a big psyop to purposefully have no meaning uh, when people say globalist or Illuminati. It's it's basically a catch-all phrase. And and I'm a former soldier. I spent time in, in the in the Marine Corps, the active duty army, the National Guard. That um, look when when there's an enemy, I want to know exactly who the enemy is and what their tactics are. Don't just give me some kind of a general uh, fluffy idea so that the, uh, there's no way to counterattack. And so I started looking into it, and the odd thing is, is the one of the premier experts on the uh, on this issue is a neighbor of mine, a guy by the name of, of Eric Phelps. He was on a show that I was listening to, and he started giving out facts and names and dates, and, and it just clicked. I had that aha moment where I was like, oh my goodness, they really were behind everything. And, and we'll just start with the Illuminati. Because, well, who is the Illuminati? Listen, there are letters. There's a letter from a gentleman by the name of uh, Pastor George Washington Snyder to President of the United States, George Washington, where they mentioned directly the influence of the Bavarian Illuminati. And uh, Pastor Snyder was worried. Apparently, he was... Um, I believe a German emigre who was a passionate, patriotic American, and he was writing to the president. That's how awesome is this? He writes to the president, and the president writes him back. Yeah, sure. Uh, he's like, look, I'm worried about the influence of this new sect in Freemasonry, the Bavarian Illuminati. And President Washington writes back and says, well, uh, I... I'm not aware that they have had a foothold here in America, although I have not been in a lodge. Of course, George Washington was a Mason, and he said to Pastor Snyder, I haven't been in a lodge really regularly in about 30 years. So, look, the Freemasons are a gateway to power, especially in the United States, but there's always people that will shy away. There's always people that have a turn of conscience. There's always people that do the right thing by by Christ and and turn on their Luciferian masters. So, there's also an, a letter between um, uh, Adams, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson that speaks both of the Illuminati and the Jesuits. And so here's how it all comes together. We're going to start right off the bat with a punchline, is that when people say it's the Jews, it's the Zionists, and this is a patented tactic of Rome, of the Vatican, of specifically of the Jesuits, they have used Jews at again and again to hide behind and the so-called Illuminati is a great example. 
The Illuminati was founded by a Jewish convert to Catholicism by the name of Adam Weishaupt, Weishaupt. and he was a, a Bavarian convert to Catholicism. He started his education with the Jesuits at the tender age of seven years old. Uh, I'm ready to, to basically call him an ordained Jesuit priest, although I, I don't want to speak without having an actual citation or reference. But he stayed with the Jesuits and eventually went to, on to teach canon law at Jesuit Ingolstadt University. And canon law is basically the legal precepts of the Roman Catholic Church. So if you're teaching the, the legal precepts of the Roman Catholic Church at a Jesuit university, chances are good you're actually an ordained Jesuit priest. So anybody who says they're an expert on the so-called Illuminati and they never say the word Jesuit, they're either should not call themselves an expert or they're what we might call a Jesuit coadjutor or coadjutor is someone who's not a priest, but is, you know, muddying up the waters for the Jesuits, because clearly, clearly, the Jesuits were the ones behind the so-called Illuminati. They they use the secret societies and the front groups as, um, uh, you know, plausible deniability to do their, their dirty work for them. Right, right. For those who may not be uh, as familiar with what the Jesuits actually are, can you give us a little bit of an explanation of what that actually means? Sure, you bet. In uh, on the cross, Messiah said, "It is done." And and when Christ gave up His Spirit, the curtain that separated the holy of holies from the inner courtyard ripped from top to bottom. And I'm I'm just saying this, and the hair on my arms going up because it was just such an incredible moment where. Religion was dead forever. It, first of all, religion couldn't get it done. The law could only point us towards how we need a savior. And from that moment on, religion was dead. Uh, we only need to go through Christ himself to get to the throne of Almighty God. And 300 years later, mankind created another religion and actually stood on the blood of the cross to create that religion. And it started with Constantine who may or may not have been a friend to Christendom. I know a lot of people blame Constantine for the beginning of the Catholic Church, but really, Constantine's reforms were powerful. He uh, forbade child sacrifice. He forbade the prosecution, persecution of Christians. Um, and basically, it's very difficult to, to learn, okay, maybe he was just really savvy, a savvy political guy. If you can't beat him, join him. But it, was, it wasn't until... Oh my goodness, 10, 12, 15 years later with uh, the Emperor Theodosius. Now, Theodosius is the guy that made Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire. And he's the one that created a syncretistic mix of true Christianity and Roman paganism, which was an offshoot of Greek paganism, which is an offshoot of all the way back to Egyptian, Babylonian, and Chaldean paganism. And so, you know, a lot of people like to criticize Christians and say, oh, yeah, the uh, the child messiah that goes back to horus or that goes back to tammuz right. but you know what the real the reality is is that the eternity the truth of christ is eternal it was before christ's um incarnation as a human being and existed after christ so if you want to believe that then that's fine but you're believing pagan myth whereas we have the much more solid proof of of christian truth so um to further on, okay, the Roman Catholicism is basically a syncretistic mix, and my apologies to our Roman Catholic brethren, but ideas that Mary is co-redemptrix or co-mediatrix, um, that we shouldn't 
pray to Christ, we should pray to saints or angels. Those things just do not match up well with, with true Christianity. So this went on and began to become a new political animal in the Roman Catholic Church, and it mutated from the, from the Roman Empire into something much, much more insidious, something that began to work behind the scenes, still had a thirst for blood, for political power, for wealth, but it didn't use its own armies. People like to mock and say, oh, well, Stalin wasn't a uh, Stalin wasn't a puppet of the Pope because Stalin said how many divisions does the Pope has? The division has the Pope has all the divisions of every military in the world because he controls it behind the scenes. He is Mystery Babylon. So we go further on into history, and good Christians started to rebel against this evil system. It started with uh, Wycliffe and Tyndale. Um, men who were, as soon as they started to stand up and say, wait a minute, what do you mean that, that common Christians are not allowed to touch the Bible? That they're not allowed to see it in their, their quote, uh, rough pagan tongue or their, their, their natural born tongue. It's going to stay in Latin and, uh, and we have to go through our own priests and we have to confess our sins through priests and we have to give you money because you've created this thing called purgatory and then you're going to, we're going to pay you, and then you're going to pray us out of purgatory. Just this horrible, horrible, evil system. So in 1517, a young Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the, uh, the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg, and it was a shot heard around the world. It was the, the, the final breaking away of uh, you know, a, a protest against this horrible, evil system of, of a political system of blood. And from then on, it was extremely dangerous, caught like wildfire, and the church had no idea how to combat it. I'll let you keep going, but just just as a side note here, Chris Pinto in some of his films points out the Waldensians who came right after the Protestant Reformation, and they were they were a group of Christians who opposed a lot of the Roman Catholic Church teachings that you pointed out there. And, I mean, they were, like, massacred by the Catholic Church. You know, there was a whole history of... Uh, you know, of basically they're being wiped out and there's a couple massacres in history that have talked about that. But, you know, it's just a point to go to show that, you know, because oftentimes you're, you know, dare I say, uninformed sort of atheist will say, well, look at your Christians, you know, you've killed so many people, blah, blah, blah. But it, you know, it's a deeper issue than that. It's, it usually involves the Catholic, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the papacy and their sort of political uh, might, if you will, and their political agendas interfering with normal peaceful people trying to read the bible and those people were killed so God, go. every time people mock christianity every time they they use an example of christians having done evil whether it's the crusade or the inquisition they're not talking about christians they're talking about rome they're talking about catholicism that's not christianity right there has been no organization in the world since the roman empire that has slaughtered more christians than any other except for Rome. Fox's Book of Martyrs is built entirely on how many Christians Rome has tortured and murdered. And that's why we read in um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and, and Daniel 2 and, and Daniel's vision in chapter 7 and then the Beast of Revelation, Protestants in particular have always known of the progression of the uh, the beasts of the empires the first empire was, was Babylon. It's uh, the gold head of Nebuchadnezzar's giant human statue. And then the, the silver torso of Medo-Persia. And then the, uh, 
the bronze, the bronze uh, um, loins of of Greece, and then the cast iron raw iron legs of Rome and uh, and the Orthodox Church, and then the feet of iron and miry clay. Why is it that that fourth beast becomes very, very different from the other previous three beasts? I believe it's because that beast has morphed into something that is far more insidious. Like, like we were talking about just a little while ago, they don't have, it's truly mystery Babylon. When the devil took uh, Christ up to a high mountain and said, hey, all of this I can give to you if you worship me. He wasn't saying I own the earth, I rule the earth. No, the devil doesn't rule the earth. We do. We do, the sons of God through the blood of Christ, just like Adam was the son of God, he was entrusted in stewardship over the whole earth. It's ours. But the devil has insinuated himself with this mystery Babylon system through wealth and power and intrigue and secret societies. That's how he rules. And it's only because Christians haven't taken a stand to take it back. And and I'm not getting into dominionism or any of that other, other foolishness, but the fact is that too many Christians are asleep at the wheel. Pause. Let me go back and finish and answer your question. Where did, um, uh, where did the society of Jesus come from, the Jesuits? So the the wildfire, the Protestant Reformation took place, and, and Rome was, was shocked, because here the truth was getting out. I love it when people uh, quote our, our Lord, the truth will set you free. Wait a minute, you don't even know that it was Jesus who said that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He will set you free. He is the ultimate red pill. And, and that's why I believe that, that Christians like yourself and Basil... Uh, who who really are the best, most qualified to get into these topics because everybody has an agenda, everybody has a bias, but well-disciplined Christians, we look ourselves in the mirror and our bias is nothing. Our bias is truth to see the truth of Christ done. So we're not going to twist things and spin things. So the Catholic Church is scrambling for a way to combat the um, uh, the Protestant Reformation. Along comes a Spanish Basque by the name of uh, Ignatius Loyola, he was a young ruffian. He was uh, wounded in battle. His legs were shattered in battle, and he was forced to convalesce with uh, uh, at, at a Catholic, uh, I believe it was a Catholic seminary. And as he was convalescing, he had a, he had a terrible, life-changing moment where he realized that he couldn't be a soldier. He couldn't get his days of glory. He was going to, originally it's claimed that he was going to serve Christ, but later that mutated into a service to Mary. And as a result of that, uh, very similar to Muhammad, he spent months in a cave um, in, in disciplining himself, self-flagellation, prayer, meditation, and unfortunately most of his, his focus was on Mary. So from here, he came up with the idea that he was going to win back Jerusalem and win back uh, the world for the Pope, take it from the Muslims and, and, and crush the Reformation, crush the, the, the heretic Protestants. And that was in 1534. He was presented to the Pope in 1540, and he was allowed to create a, a new order, which was originally called, um, it's been so many different names, the, 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 basically his company, the Company of Loyola, was later uh, uh, colloquial, colloquially named the Jesuits, and isn't it interesting that uh, the, the Jesuits have a, um, a periodic magazine that's called The Company, and yet that's also a slang term for the CIA. And that's mm. probably because the Jesuits run the CIA. Mm. That's know, interesting. I, I just pulled up the uh, Loyola Marymount 
you know, university about page, the brief history. And I mean, they just straight up tell you, you know, St. Ignatius Loyola, founder of the Society of Jesus, sanctioned the foundation of his orders first school in 1548. And, uh, you know, that's the origin of Loyola Marymount, you know, because, uh, you know, you often talk to Christians around here and they're like, oh, we're going to Loyola. And it's like, a, you know, oh, I'm staying in the Christian schools and stuff. But uh, alas, right. it is controlled. Right. Well, it's an interesting thing because, um, you know, the, the word Jesuit or the the concept of the Jesuits is, is not necessarily lost on everybody in, uh, you know, just modern, regular culture. If you remember to our uh, good buddy, Charlie Sheen, who, in addition to drinking tiger's blood and having all sorts of superpowers, calls himself a Jesuit assassin. And so people have that phrase floating around in their head and i don't think anybody really knows for sure what that means trying on purpose basil right on you're spot on right the, the sheens the sheens are part of the the jesuit handlers for for alex jones that's why they were so close martin sheen um that's on his real name estevez is his real name he took his stage name from bishop fulton jean sheen they are are fanatical catholics and what most people don't understand is that the the far left side of the political spectrum is owned by the vatican by the catholic church the jesuits created communism and it wasn't until Charlie Sheen made that statement. I have to double-check my dates. But it wasn't until that, that, that uh, Charlie Sheen made that statement on the Alex Jones program about uh, you know, being invincible and Vatican assassins that he was outed as basically a porn king and fell from grace and lost his contract with uh, two and a half men because he had to be disciplined for outing the power behind, behind his family and behind Hollywood. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, you bet. So I just want to take a step back real quick. You mentioned at the top of the show about Israel being a junior player in, uh, you know, this sort of game or this sort of uh, system that we're here to talk about. What do you mean by that? And who else is a junior player? And obviously the United States or the CIA would be considered maybe a major player. Um, maybe Absolutely. can yeah. can you go a little sure. bit into that uh, part of the world system here? Sure. Basically, every major nation, major Western nation, is a junior player in this plot. Basically, through their their intelligence agencies and their banking systems, and those are run by the secret societies. And the easy ones to trace back to Rome are the Knights of Columbus, the Knights of Malta. They clearly have a a Catholic heritage. The ones that are not as easy to trace back but are just as traceable are, say, Skull and Bones or um, the Freemasons. Now, Skull and Bones is still pretty straightforward, traceable back to Rome. Uh, William F. Buckley, big CIA asset and analyst, uh, one of the original bonesmen from Yale, staunch Catholic, um, also uh, John Kerry, Skull and Bones. I have a great... Uh, 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 little vignette in my book about one of Barack Obama's speechwriters. Everybody always makes fun of the teleprompter in chief. The guy can't even talk to a bunch of sixth graders. He <laughs> literally can't talk to sixth graders without having teleprompters. It looks absolutely comical. That's because he's 100% a puppet. And one example of, we have to ask a question, who is writing what goes on this guy's teleprompter? Well, one of the young men that writes 
what goes on the teleprompter is a speechwriter by the name of John Favreau. And uh, Favreau was Jesuit educated, and, and you guys were talking about education, Jesuit education. It is critical to understand that while under a Jesuit's tutelage, that's where someone is selected for further use down the line. And sometimes uh. they start their indoctrination right then and there. John Favreau was Jesuit educated. He was given to Catholic John Forbes Carey as, uh, uh, as an aide for some time. And he went from Catholic John Kerry to writing speeches for Barack Obama. There's a, a write-up in the Boston Globe where John Favreau actually says that it's important to him that the politicians that he works for comport with the ideals of the Jesuit order who taught him. And it was shocking to me because here I'm reading, okay, Jesuit educated, big deal, doesn't really matter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It does matter because that's where you're getting this indoctrination. And that's where the Jesuits are picking people to use. People get into, you guys have heard of, of Carol Quigley and Tragedy and Hope and yeah. how Carol Quigley was behind the, um, the raising of, of Bill Clinton and teaching Bill Clinton about the, the secret machinations of who really rules the world and the powerful families and the banking. Carol Quigley taught at Georgetown. Georgetown is a Jesuit university. As a matter of fact, there are several Catholic families that, that were insinuated, insinuated from America's founding and continued to plague the country as agents of the Vatican, and the Carroll family is one of the first. Uh-huh. Listen, the Family, family Research Council and, and, and Tony Perkins, and he talks about the Carroll family like they're Christians and they're people that we should be bragging about. Wait a minute. They were actually Vatican insurgents. The, uh, the Carrolls, I think it was... John Carroll, that was a Jesuit priest that, that instituted Georgetown University, and Georgetown is basically the epicenter of control for the Vatican on the United States. Um, wow. The, so uh, Carol Quigley was teaching at Georgetown when he wrote Tragedy and Hope, and guess who was one of the young students he was teaching? He was teaching Bill Clinton. And how people don't understand that Bill Clinton was Jesuit trained. He learned from Carol Quigley while they were at Georgetown. Another great example is Jesuit trained George Tenet, who, who I believe is also a Knight of Malta. George Tenet was in charge of things during the high treason of 9-11. George Tenet was the overseer. We had another, uh, actually Christian brothers, not necessarily Jesuit trained, but the Jesuits have infiltrated other orders. Um, Rudolph Rudy, Rudy the crossdresser Giuliani was in charge of things in New York City during 9-11 and he was Christian Brothers trained from high school on into college he was the, the Vatican man in New York City so George Tennant is there from, uh, from Georgetown overseeing things and he gets to resign, nobody, nobody questions him, then as a result of 9-11 they come up with the Patriot Act and the Patriot Act is basically going to start the enslavement of America to destroy the Constitution um, and who wrote the Patriot Act? A Georgetown Catholic law professor by the name of Viet D. Din. And Viet Din was a, is a um, Vietnamese emigre and, and a Catholic and a, a Georgetown law professor. The, um, the man behind Homeland Security, who, why are we calling this agency Homeland Security? Is this Nazi Germany? Soviet Russia? Homeland Security? Are you kidding? Who comes up with a name like that? Well, we really think of, of Helmers, I believe Michael Chertoff, who was Jewish, is again one of those guys that gets propped up. I think he was the second. I don't think he was the first um, director of Homeland Security. The first director, I believe, was John C. Gannon, who was also Jesuit trained. And you throw Chertoff up as, again, one of those uh, poor Jewish guys that say, oh, it's the Jews, it's the Zionists. 
Chertoff's wife teaches at Georgetown. Mm. So Georgetown is the epicenter for control by the, by the Vatican, by the Jesuits of America. And, and here's why. Here's the bottom line. The Counter-Reformation, which is the fight, the, the Jesuit fight, the Catholic fight against the Reformation, is the dramatic hatred. The, the Protestant Reformation was the acorn. It sprouted from guys, even if they were, uh, you know, subject to the Enlightenment. We don't look very kindly on the Enlightenment because it tried to possibly subvert our understanding of the Lord and substitute with science. They really do go together. That's a different, different discussion. But guys like Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, uh, Baron de Montesquieu, these are the brains behind our founding generation. And our founding generation lived self-determination. The idea that, and before this, it was all feudalism. It was the serfs, the payones, the campesinos, those little people, those peasants. You till the land, you feed the elite. There's an aristocracy of knights and lords, and amongst them is what we call the praetorian class, the cops and the soldiers, and they protect the super elite, the tiny, tiny group of Luciferians at the very top. And it's all very nicely insulated, and it's all the haves versus the have-nots. They are the original 1%, and we are the 99%. And for the first time in human history, there was an American experiment which talked about self-determination and, and, and the binding document, a rule of law, not a rule of man, said that the common man can own property and defend it with his own personal firearms. Absolutely unheard of. And since then, the United States of America has been the chief target of the counter-reformation and of Vatican and of, of Rome. And, and we're almost entirely under Rome's control right now. Hmm. Hmm. So it's kind of like a tugging war, it seems like, even with a lot of the, you know, the historical figures that we easily label as Freemasons, it seems like, you know, for example, Andrew Jackson or someone, you know, warned against it. But then at the same time, he was probably, you know, propped up because of the same people that he was skeptical of and that sort of thing. But, you know, just touching on a couple points you mentioned, you mentioned John Favreau, the speechwriter. Um, just double checking to make sure you're not talking about John Favreau. Exact same spelling, by the way. American actor and director. You know the guy who made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron the fat guy that thought he was going to be um, uh, the uh, uh, Tony Stark's driver. Yeah, that 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 guy looks about as much like. Um uh, what's his his character's name? Is Happy something or other? It's like X Boxer, who was uh, Tony Stark's. I'm big in a comic book, so yeah. No. <laughs> no, not that John Favreau. I think you're exactly right. His name is spelled exactly the same. Right. The, it's actually you just look up John Favreau, speechwriter, Boston Globe, and you'll come up with the right guy. And he's and he's a young guy. I mean, born in '81. I mean, he's 33 right. years old now. So it's interesting right. to me that a a guy so young is is writing speeches for Obama. It's just a very <laughs> bizarre, you know, just sort of conceptually it's kind of because, weird right? yeah because he was jesuit trained and and the freemasons are are the secret weapon of the vatican of the roman catholic church because they have this front that they are their mortal enemies they even have it in the oath i, I was looking at that this morning the oath of the knights of columbus is the freemasons are their mortal enemies no they're not you control the freemasons there's some great examples in history of Catholic insurgents who were also Freemasons. And one of the best is Pierre Charles L'Enfant, who was the architect of one of the most Freemasonic cities in the world, Washington District of Columbia. And uh, L'Enfant was selected by Pierre Augustine uh, 
Terrell de Beaumarchais, who was a traitor, a French traitor whose family were Protestant Huguenots, and the Catholic Church, just like you were saying, Gons, the Catholic Church destroyed the Protestants of France, the poor Huguenots. There's not a single Huguenot alive today because of uh, a Catholic crusades against the Protestants there in France. So Beaumarchais... Beaumarchais was selecting Catholic insurgents to send to uh, America, and L'Enfant was one of the first guys to be sent. And it's just crazy that uh, L'Enfant laid out very, very Masonic uh, um, architecture of Washington, D.C., and he was not able to finish it. And you know why he wasn't able to finish it? It's because he plowed over the house of the Carroll family. Mm. And I'm thinking, what is going on there? He was actually fired by George Washington himself. Was this some sort of a power battle within the Catholic insurgency in the United States? But after L'Enfant was was kicked out, his plan was followed basically to the letter. And L'Enfant is a great example of a Catholic, and I have a citation in my, in my, my book, and I want to make a, a side note. Look, anybody can, can cr- come up with crazy theories. That's why it's critical for me, it was critical for me, to have 826 pages and over 2,000 citations, most of them from sources that people would accept. Because that's really how you prove your point, particularly in uh, you know alternative news, alternative media right. that is in and of itself so co-opted is you have to be able to prove your point. So Leon Fonda, and I have a citation of this, was part of, let's see, the Holland... Oh yeah, the, the, the Masons themselves qu- uh, claim L'Enfant was one of theirs. Uh, from the book, The Masonic Career of Major Pierre Charles L'Enfant by Pierre de Ravel de Escalapone, 32nd degree Mason, Valley of Rockville Center. And he claimed he was from Holland Lodge Number no. 8 in New York City. So L'Enfant was both a Catholic and a Freemason. And here's the crazy thing, is the Scottish Rite Freemasons. They're the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, Supreme Council, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. That's usually just abbreviated Scottish Rite SJ. You know who else uses that uh, acronym SJ? The Society of Jesus. So here's a little a little tidbit for people who know this that we really control the Freemasons. Another great example of someone who was a Catholic and a Freemason is uh, John Wilkes Booth. John huh. Wilkes Booth. You, you say right. who 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 killed Lincoln? Oh, it was a lone gunman, just like Lee Harvey Oswald. John right. John Wilkes Booth was the lone gunman. No, 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 no. It was no lone gunman. There was an entire family called the Surratt family who was behind the 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 plot. They did all the the um, the planning at the Surratt family home. Mary Surratt, the mother, and John Surratt, who was in training to be a Catholic priest, were the actual people that were that were pulling off this uh, this assassination attempt. And there are. There are sources, like uh, former Jesuit Charles uh, Chinakwe, who said that Lincoln believed the Catholic Church was behind the whole Civil War in the first place, Uh. and that he fully expected to be uh, assassinated. The Jesuits, they they are the best in the world at assassination. And John Wilkes Booth was supposedly a member of Albert Pike's Knights of the Golden Circle, a Freemason sect, and he was also a Catholic. there's 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 a great source um i like to quote helena blavatsky pagan luciferian theosophist 
Yes, and she has a quote. Let me pull this up real quick here. Yeah, she's someone that uh, I've quoted extensively in my work, and also uh, just looking at the writings is it's just bizarre. I mean, it's crazy. It's from about the late eighteen eighties. Uh, one of the, her books, I believe it was the Secret Doctrine, or maybe it was Isis Unveiled, was the bedside reading for Hitler. And uh, I'm running out of things to say. Well, John, sure, no, no, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and <laughs> she was. It's great. Here's how you get truth out of these people: is that you wait for them to fight amongst themselves. And in ISIS unveiled, Blavatsky outed the Jesuits as mystics, teachers of black magic, and also the puppet masters behind so many of the secret sects. She quotes her insider, a guy by the name of Charles Sotherin, uh, corresponding secretary of the New York Liberal Club, and Sotherin says, it is curious to note that two, two, T-O-O, the most of the bodies that work these, such as the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite, the Rite of Avignon, the Order of the Temple, and I'm not quite sure if he's talking about the OTO, he could be. Fessler's right, the Grand Council of the Emperors of East and West, the Sovereign Prince Masons, etc., etc., all are nearly the offspring of the sons of Ignatius Loyola. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's how they get their, their plausible deniability. They run them from the background, the secret societies, and so... There's good reason why the Lord Jesus Christ said, what they do in secret, I will out in the open. Do not fear them. Do not fear the ones that can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill body and throw the soul into fiery hell. And he is talking directly to us, the watchkeepers, the watchmen on the wall, in regards to these secret societies that are so good at assassination. Do not fear the assassins. Fear me and work for me. Yeah. Amen. So... Now, we've talked a lot about these Jesuit assassins and things like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's no surprise to any of our listeners that, uh, you know, there are some dark happenings going on behind the scenes with false flags and things like that. And we mentioned a little bit about how other countries are involved as well. I mean, is there anything? Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier the the Western countries being junior players or senior players or whatever. But what's going on in the East? And is there any um, is there any signal going on? You know, with Great the Russia and China thing. Great question. And um, they're they're unfortunately they're they're all either partially controlled or insinuated or have insurgents or have traitors in them. The um, in the East, I have a lot of hope. You know, people say, well, pray for your politicians. Listen, <laughs> most of them are long gone. When you uh, make your bed with the devil long enough and you look back and eh, anybody can be saved at any time. So I'm not saying don't pray. Uh, I'm saying for me personally, I pray for people that, that I don't have the most bang for my buck. And when I look around the world, there's not a single country that isn't co-opted or owned, but there are countries that give me hope. And one of them is, is Russia. Now, Russia has an interesting past, and it's intimately intertwined with the Catholic Church and the Jesuits. The Jesuits were getting kicked out of every single country in the world because they were being found out to be insurgents. And each and every country that kicked them out, they opened their little black book and said, you will pay. And uh, they made those nations pay. And in... 1820s are Alexander II kicked the Jesuits out of Russia and they wrote Russia down in the little black book and they wrote the Romanovs down in the little black book. And prior to that, uh, because they were getting kicked out of every single nation around the world, the, the, 
there was pressure on even Catholic nations to the Vatican and to, to Rome, to the Pope, to disband them. They had enough. There were Catholic nations, and they're still insinuating trying to take us over. And so Clement XIII was about to disband them, and he suddenly died. Mm. Clement XIV replaced him, and he, able, he was able to disband the Jesuits, and then he died, and he was poisoned so horribly that his body began to decay as he was still alive. Wow. He wasted wow. away, and he was still alive. And that was Clement XIV, and I just believe that was in 1773 that he disbanded the Jesuits. So the Jesuits ran to Russia, and Catherine the Great, and... Catherine was a, was a friend to the American Revolution. She was a Prussian, part of the Luciferian bloodline, the, the so-called Illuminati bloodline. Look, people that run their nations aren't true citizens because they're co-opted. You don't want someone that is true blood, true, true born, to believe in their nation, to run that nation, because you want them to be able to betray people. So Catherine didn't necessarily betray Russia, but she was Prussian. She wasn't Russian. So... She gave uh, comfort and solace to the Jesuits while they were uh, broken down, while they were, they were disbanded. And then they, they created their puppet, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. And Napoleon took the, uh, the Pope of his day, which was Pius VI. And um, he had, and these are all facts we can look up on our own, uh, the, the Jesuit whispering in the ear of Napoleon, guiding him to be the armies of the Pope, was Joseph Emmanuel Seiss. Abbey size, and he was Jesuit trained, and he may have even been Jesuit ordained. So he was guiding the um, Napoleon as the sword of Rome, and Napoleon imprisoned Pius number six, and Pius number six wasted away and 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 died in prison a short time after that. And the purpose was to to put pressure on Rome and the Vatican to reinstitute the Jesuits, and that's that's what happened. The replacement for Pius VI was Pius VII, and he was immediately imprisoned by Napoleon, and he saw the light and reinstituted the Jesuits. So, when the Jesuits reinstituted, they immediately started to subvert themselves to, to work again. They had come up with the doctrines of communism through... Uh, philosophers, Catholic philosophers like Thomas Aquinas about the, the, the communal sharing of property. They had perfected communism in the uh, reductions, the reduction settlements in the late 1700s in South America. That, um, did you ever see the mission? The mission is a movie with, um, oh, Knight of Malta, Robert De Niro, Liam Neeson is in it, Jeremy Irons is in it. It's pure, um, Jesuit propaganda and, and really just mimics uh, the life of Loyola and how these poor Jesuits are in South America. They just want to help the native people. No, they were enslaving the native peoples. They were isolating them, um, having them work slave labor and then sending back the proceeds to Spain and Portugal and, and to Rome. Right. So this is where communism was perfected. And uh, from there, just a few years later, there was a, a young man named, um, let me get his full name. It was... Um, Maximilian? Internet. Mm -hmm. Google, give us the answers. Well, everybody knows him as Karl Marx. Ah. Um, and Karl, Karl Marx was being trained by um, Jesuits in uh, Trier. And the Jesuits had located him and it's like Karl Heinrich Marx is his full name. I just wanted to be precise. Um, was was originally selected by the Jesuits in Trier, 
and uh, like grammar school. And Trier was a a Catholic bastion inside Protestant Germany. So Protestant Germany was on the hit list for the Jesuits, and so was Russia. So the Jesuits selected Karl Marx in Trier, and then later Karl Marx was creating communism in a private reading room in the British Museum, and one of the Jesuits' own, an ex-Jesuit by the name of Alberto Rivera, let us know that the Jesuits were in secret, in private, spoon-feeding Karl Marx the tenets of Catholic communism. Mm. And from there, they sent it over to be executed by their other puppets, Jesuit trains, Freemasons, um, Jewish frontmen like Trotsky, um, by Josip Dushkashvili, who later changed his name to Joseph Stalin. Stalin was uh, trained in a, a supposedly orthodox seminary in Tiflis, but the orthodox seminary was run by the Jew, by the Jesuits. And um, he he told his biographer uh, M. L. Cohen that it was really the Jesuits who ran this Orthodox seminary. And, of course, Stalin was Georgian. Like we were saying, you don't, you never let someone that, that is a true-born nationalist or, or patriot run a nation. And so it was under Stalin that, that uh, the real punishment of the poor Russian people uh, was executed. For 40 million people that Stalin and his purges, most of them were Russians, Christian Slavs. They were all part of the punishment of the Christian Slavs <laughs> because of how they had kicked out the Jesuits in 1820 with Alexander II. And you remember the, uh, the big, the, the Hublu and, and the, uh, the Serb, the war, the Bosnian-Serbian war. Well, well, now who was behind that? That was Willie Clinton, Jesuit trained William Jefferson Clinton. And what was really that, what was going on was the Christian Serbs were being punished by the Jesuit masters and the, there was a, uh, a, a new, um, Muslim, the, the, the new training base, the Afghanistan in, in Eastern Europe was being created in Bosnia. And to this very day, the, the U.S. National Guard, National Guards all across the country still have rotations into Serbia because we're doing the will of the Pope. Wow. That's what Ukraine is all about, too. God, what you right. Saying? Well, I was just going to say, you know, there's a lot of talk about... um Russia, there's a lot of Russia stuff going on, especially here in the United States. You know, it, it almost seems like this, I mean, at least to my generation where we, we, you know, didn't necessarily get a chance to participate in all this Russia fearing. Um, it seems like there's this new surge of revival oh, of the Cold War, right? Revival of this, like, Russia's the scary guy. You know, it's obvious. completely contrived, Basil. It's completely contrived. And what I was trying to say earlier until I got off sidetracked, I, for some reason I do that, I'm ADHD, <laughs> um, is that you, you were saying, well, who is there anybody else in the world? Look, pray for everybody in this nation, but, but also pray in particular for Russia, for uh, Vladimir Putin, for the people of Russia. I honestly believe that Vladimir Putin uh, is someone that was handpicked to carry on the, the front to be an intelligence insider and to keep on and 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 uh, harm the Russian people the way that our own politicians harm the American people, and he had one of those wake up moments where he said, "You know what? I'm actually going to work for the Russian people." Now he's not necessarily, um, you know, the the 
anti-New World Order folk hero that, that we would like him to be, but right. he's not towing the full line. So as a mm. result, I think that um, as part of the PSYOP, it's the communists, it's the Jews, it's the Muslims, now it's also the Russians. It's all part of the PSYOP, so we don't see the traces back to Rome. And look, the Soviet Union fell. The, 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 of course, the communism, the Vatican was behind communism. And uh, actually, a great source for what happened is uh, Father Malachi Martin, the famed um, demon exorcist who right. is a, one, the only former Jesuit that I know of, a man that was allowed to leave the Society of Jesus and not be, uh, well, yeah, actually, some people think he was murdered. Pushed down the uh, stairs or something like that. those stairs, yeah. yeah. But uh, because he had outed the Jesuits in several of his books, and Windswept House, and I think he has a book called The Jesuits, um, Malachi Martin, I believe, said that the, uh, the order was given for the Soviet Union to fall, and Gorbachev was one of their puppets. Gorbachev ran to George H.W. Bush, and, and Bush put him up in the Presidio. It was a Catholic stronghold for, uh, for Rome, for the Vatican, where Gorbachev could continue to be an insurgent and turn, turn his communism into the green agenda and uh, push for enslaving people under the green agenda. And so um, the Soviet Union was commanded to fall in 1991, and at that time... Uh, the Secretary of State was not Baker. I can't remember who the Secretary of State was, but gave assurances to Gorbachev that, hey, look, uh, NATO was here to counter the, the, uh, the Eastern Alliance, the Soviet bloc, the Eastern bloc, and so we promise that we will not expand now that the Soviet Union has collapsed, and as soon as he said that, they immediately started expanding and grabbing all Eastern bloc nations. One of the first ones to come in was, uh, uh, old Russian, um, arch nemesis of Poland. Poland joined NATO in like 56, I believe. To the point where between the expansion of the EU and the expansion of NATO, Russia is now completely and thoroughly encircled. And this is called the strategy of containment, which was created by another papal puppet, Zbigniew Brzezinski. Brzezinski is um, uh, Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. He was the, the Jesuit puppet whispering in the ear of Carter. He's the one that created Al-Qaeda. Well, wait a minute. I thought Al-Qaeda were the ones that was behind 9-11. I'd, Wait, oh, wait a minute. That's someone, is ISIS, Al-Qaeda? No, well, they're all the same thing, aren't they? I'm being facetious. <laughs> they're all the same thing. And that's why when any, anybody talks about the Muslim threat, the jihadi threat, if they don't mention the fact that Western intelligence created the jihadi threat, then they're either criminally ignorant or they're a sower of disinformation and discord. Zbigniew Brzezinski was a personal friend of John Paul II, who was also a Pole, Carol Wojtola, Cardinal Wojtola, who was eventually installed as, as Pope. And uh, Brzezinski created the whole jihadi threat and part of the phony war uh, in Afghanistan. And, and, oh, people died in Afghanistan. Russians, Soviets died in Afghanistan. Russians died. But it was still part of, a, a, a part of an overall game. Uh, for, for the Vatican to punish her enemies. And so that's where the, the, the threat of jihad comes from. And I think that there's just enough 
there are just enough Russians to actually care that the Russian policies in general are actually healthy to the Russian people. There's nowhere else in the West where the policies of the co-opted, treasonous, traitorous government are healthy to their own people. Right. The, uh, every Western nation have policies that are poisonous, that are, that are draining the people, the chemtrails in the sky, the fluoride in the water, the, the, the watering down of your, your, your buying power. In the United States, the, the worth of the dollar um the the uh, the police state the erosion of our of our of our constitutional rights the immigration everywhere in the world look the oldest trick in the book is for a conquering uh emperor general to infuse uh outside immigrants into a po- into a population right to water down the national identity it's the oldest trick in the book yeah and particularly in the west in the uk and france in the United States, when you infuse so many uh, immigrants, and particularly Muslim immigrants, basically you have a, a whole massive camp of wild cards of chaos, future patsies for terror operations. Just look up Jamaat ul Fukra, and you'll find that these are terrorist training camps in the United States. Carrying on under the watchful eye of the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Terror Instigation. <laughs> so if you want to pray for a nation, I would say, look, let's, let's pray for the ones that are showing some sort of evidence that they're, they're bucking the, the, you know, the line a little bit. Now, Russia is not the, 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 the bastion of anti-New World Order. Well, look, Russian, Russian so-called state media, uh, RT is just as co-opted as all the others. They just, they cover some subjects that, that's, uh, our corporate media don't cover. Right. Um, and I wanted to bring this up with you guys because you're on top of this. The lie of space exploration. RT is all right. over the International Space Station. They're, oh, the, the West is hemming in. They're fighting us. They're in Ukraine. And that's exactly what happened. The uh, Western powers overthrew the, the, the legal government of Ukraine as part of knocking on the doorstep of Russia to destabilize Russia. Right. And then RT turns around in every other video on YouTube is this lollipops and daffodils of the, the U.S. and Russian cooperation in space. Right. And... Well, there are some problems with that, not the least of which is that these pictures never really show what's outside of space. They never go through the whole space station. It looks like it's no bigger than than um, uh, than an airplane fuselage. Look, it's it's all a lie. You guys did a great job when you covered the the flat Earth stuff with uh, with Mark Sargent. Um, space is a lie, and it's entirely possible that that's part of it. Is that um, there's uh, there's boundaries that we're not being uh, allowed to know of. And it's interesting that people who've come up with these boundaries, people who come up with a smokescreen for the boundaries, uh, you know, even names that we revere, like Albert Einstein. I have a picture of Albert Einstein standing next to a Jesuit na- named George Lemaitre. George Lemaitre is the man who came up with the ridiculous Big Bang Theory, the idea that first there was nothing and then it exploded. Right. How, how, to, how to foster... Um, the 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 further the the smokescreen of um you know the disinformation the psyop that we're living in and to keep people from taking the red pill yeah that that space topic is is so Ugh, bizarre get me started yeah i mean i i recently watched uh, there was a collage of videos um documenting the inconsistencies of uh, the footage from the space station and um you know how it's very similar to free fall zero g airplanes and other footage seems to suggest that there are just people on harnesses 
in front of a blue screen or a green screen. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, there was a story. I, I was not aware of this until this video, but, um, apparently there was a, uh, spacewalk where the, some liquid supposedly leaked into the astronaut's suit. And, you know, there's other footage of bubbles. You see bubbles kind of rise up, you know, in space, which seems to suggest that either there's bubbles in space or this is filmed all underwater and it's just staged as space. And I mean, that kind of stuff is disturbing and it's like, wow, that's a huge lie if true. But, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, all you it's have all... to do is, is get into this in the slightest bit. And, and, and honestly, I, I think you guys are so close to it when you get into, um, Okay, the planes of existence are not what we were told. The uh, the Tower of Babylon wasn't just some cute little tower. It was actually an attempt to break into another dimension as a portal and uh, under the the, uh, the the leadership of of Nimrod and um all part of the of the CERN, exactly what CERN, you've covered this so many times, and a great job, work, uh, great work, Gons, on uh, Face Like the Sun on YouTube. What's really going on in CERN? This is not science. Have you seen the um, the opera, the CERN opera? Yeah, Guys, sym- symmetry. You? Yeah, Symmetry. Is that not... And here's what no one notices. As you look at this ballet dancer in the middle of the circle in the salt flats, who is walking around the circle? Like a mag- magical sort of, uh, maybe it's a Jesuit? Is that, is that where you go? A magical Jesuit. <laughs> a magical Jesuit. In the long priestly dress. Couldn't it have been any more obvious? But if you don't know to look for that, then you don't see it. If you know to look for, as soon as you see somebody who's a key person, who's involved in the police state or some, some false flag, immediately look up there. Um, look up their religion, look up their education in particular. Um, there's, I just, just looking the other day, uh, uh, the two generals, Paul Valley and Thomas McInerney, um, were on Fox News. Good old Rupert Murdoch, Knight of Malta, Rupert Murdoch, I like him blonde, phone news, talking about, um, you know, putting forth the idea that it's, it's those darn Muslims. Later, the two of them went on to, um, uh, Rick Wiles' True News and, and, and continued to foster that, um, psyop. And I'm not saying that there, that jihad isn't a problem. Um, what I'm telling us and our audience and our Christians is listen, every evil, horrible thing that jihadis do, the torture, the rape, the murder, they focus on Christians and it's your tax dollar that's paying for it and Rome is laughing. So McInerney is going on these programs talking about, hey, listen, the, uh, the, the, the military, he actually, I believe he said this on True News, the military might have to step up and, and depose Barack Obama. Well, it's all part of a psyop. If they do depose Barack Obama, it's to put in a hard, Hitlerian type of fascist dictator because Americans have been so frustrated by all the other things that have been going on that it opens the door for their, their hard, hard, I don't want to say right wing, it's fake right. Fascism is phony right. It's not true nationalism. That's not what, what uh, patriots really believe. So McInerney, I look into McInerney, he seems to have basically a, a, a secular education, typical Air Force general. I look up online, there's an obituary for his brother James McInerney, who's also an Air Force general, and James McInerney, he was a good Catholic Irishman, he went to Catholic Mass at 7 a.m. every single morning. So if you know what to look for, I'm not saying that every Catholic is an insurgent, but I'm saying if you look at these key figures, you know what to look for. Paul E. Valley, how Paul E. Valley is, is given so much airtime 
on these um, Christian and conservative programs, Paul E. Valley was the superior of Michael Aquino, at the time a major in the United States Army and an expert on Satanism. And Aquino, at the time, wrote a paper. Uh, what was it? Psychological Warfare was the name of the paper. Basically, it was a, it was a paper on psychological operations, and he wrote it for his boss, Paul E. Valley. And how people don't know that there's this association between the armies, an actual army officer, a uh, pay grade of 04, who's looking into Satanism. Why is he looking into Satanism? Because Satanism is used in trauma-based um, torture right. to create uh, dis, um, uh, disorder dysfunction, split personality disorder dysfunctions in mind control. And another key aspect in the use of torturing people to to uh, give them courses in mind control, not, uh, indoctrination in mind control, are narcotics. If you go back and you remember, um, uh, t- tune in, turn on, and drop out. You guys remember that at all from history yeah. at all? Yeah. Um, Timothy Leary was a professor at Berkeley who who made that phrase, immortalized that phrase. Catholic Irishman Timothy Francis Leary, Jesuit mm. educated at Holy Cross, who worked for the CIA. And um, real quick, to go back to Vatican assassins, the, the CIA was birthed by the OSS. The OSS was created by Irish Catholic Knight of Malta, William Donovan. Donovan was a high trader. All these people, here's the problem, secret societies, people who were in... Um, Catholicism, when, when JFK was, was uh, elected, he promised people that the Pope would not rule over his, um, his administration, and that's part of the reason why he was murdered. But most of these people in these secret societies don't answer to their oaths. They don't answer to the American people. William Donovan, who founded the OSS, answered to Rome. He was a knight of Malta. He was decorated the Order of St. Sylvester by the Pope. His, Hitler's Pope, Pius the Twelfth, and... Um, uh, there were several generals and admirals in World War II on both sides who didn't like to play the game. And World War II, every major war is a game. And when these guys get involved that don't want to play the game, they want to win, they have to get murdered. Uh, George S. Patton was one of the men, one of the greatest American patriots and field generals, who was constantly held back by high Freemason, uh, um, 33rd degree Shriner, Dwight Eisenhower, another high trader. And... Um, guy by the name of Robert Wilcox wrote a brilliant book, an outstanding book called Target Patton, and it talks about how the OSS, our forerunners of the CIA, was behind the murder of George S. Patton. They used an assassin by the name of Douglas Bazada. He had a pneumatic gun that shot debris um, and uh, broke Patton's neck. Shockingly, Patton in the hospital started to recover. He was paralyzed, but he started to get better because he was just uh, a tough, tough guy. And um, what they did was they leaked information to the Soviet military, the NKVD, the precursor to the KGB, and the NKVD came in and murdered, assassinated Patton. And when you see cooperation between intelligence agencies that shouldn't be there, wait a minute, the, the Soviets, they're our enemy, the, the CIA and the KGB, when you see them working together, that is the calling card of the Jesuits. And b- before we go, and throw, before we get off assassins, I'm going to throw this out in Vatican Assassins. When you want to make a statement, guys, you want to go out and protest, you want to go out with the kids and occupy Wall Street or go with a tea party, what do you put on to to make sure that people don't know who you really are and you want to make a statement, you want to be anonymous, you want to, guy you want to stand mask. up. You put on a Guy Fawkes mask 
And who was Guy Fawkes? Nobody knows who Guy Fawkes was. Well, Guy Fawkes... A Jesuit. He was a Jesuit assassin. Yeah. A Jesuit assassin. In 1605, he was part of the plot. Uh, they had casts of gunpowder, part of the gunpowder plot. It's in V for Vendetta. The, those whack jobs, the Wachowskis, who wrote both V for Vendetta and The Matrix, the brother-brother-sister team that's... Well, well brother-sister no, brother, now. Sister team. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, Larry is now Lana. Um, that's kind of scary, but they there's a reason why they have this insider information. Every time you put on Guy Fawkes' mask, the Jesuits are laughing because he was a Jesuit assassin in 1605. Remember, remember the 5th of November. What were they trying to do? They were trying to murder Protestant James I and overturn the Protestant government of England by killing half the House of Lords and blowing it up. So every time you put on a Guy Fawkes mask, every time you watch V for Vendetta and go, yeah, yeah, against the New World Order, the people behind the New World Order, the Jesuits, are laughing. Yeah, it's crazy. And you brought up um, Timothy Leary. And, you know, he's seen as sort of a psychedelics uh, grand poobah or like the, the father of psychedelics, so to speak, in the West here. And, you know, yeah, the CIA ties there is, is pretty substantial with, um, you know, he even has ties with uh, Andrea Puharich. You know, who contacted the nine, you know, these alleged nine spiritual beings in uh, the 1950s or whatever. And, you know, you look at uh, mainstream media and you look for the number nine and it's all over the place. And it's there isn't a huge gap between these weird sort of sinister secret alliances with spiritual darkness, you know, with with contact with spiritual beings and rumors about channeling, you know, spirits, automatic writings those supernatural aspects that, you know, it seems like they're so far apart, you know, like all the nefarious activities and all this other uh, supernatural metaphysical stuff. But I mean, it's, it's, it goes hand in hand. It is all tied together. And as fact, um, I just saw this this morning. You remember the clairvoyant Jean Dixon back from the eighties? I don't. She was astrologer. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Jean Dixon was an astrologer. She was a you know prophetess, a clairvoyant. Did you know that Jean Dixon was taught the black arts by a Jesuit? Oh yeah, you can you can yeah you can look that one. Look up Jean Dixon and and Jesuit, and that one will come right up. The the Jesuits look. <laughs> I've posted this on your your, your Facebook because uh, I'm 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 a bit of a geek. I'm I'm a nerd and I'm older than you, so I like to go back to the original Star Trek. The original Star Trek was so much fun, and yet it, it, look, it was it was still part of the whole Luciferian game. There's there's nothing yep. special about it, uh, except that they taught these Luciferian lessons in ways that stuck with me as a little kid because I was watching the reruns in the seventies. Growing up, and there's there's a couple of different Star Trek episodes that had this idea of oh by the way, and I posted on your Facebook. I, I hope you saw it, Basil. That it was in the uh, one of the Star Trek episodes was for the world is hollow when I have touched the sky. Right. It's about how we all live in a simulation, and there was a guy who was mind controlled. He had a little device in his head, and he and he climbed a great mountain and actually touched the sky, and he shouldn't have been able to do that, and so he was zapped and he died. Right. There's other episodes like. Um, uh, Wolf in the Fold, where Scotty is blamed for, for the mass murdering of uh, Jack the Ripper, who was just this entity that has existed throughout time and floated from planet to planet, just killing and feeding off fear and pain. And then there's an, another episode called Wolf in the Fold, no, called uh, um, 
the day of the dove, where another entity, it puts this Klingons on board the Inter- Enterprise and it locks everybody off and it takes their weaponry away and replaces it with swords because it's feeding off of war and death and pain. And the bottom line is, is that uh, Ephesians 6, of course, is always in play, that we um, our true enemies are spiritual ones, but wait a minute, that's not an, a, an excuse for you to not do anything. Say, oh, I'm, I'm going to sit down. No, no, no. If you have a moral compass that works, this should upset you. This should make you get up and take a stand for the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, and say, hey, wait a minute. If our enemies are spiritual, then we outnumber them because the allies that we have on our side outnumber them two-thirds to one-third. Because when the devil fell, he only took a third of the angels. That means our allies that, that are with us uh, are outnumbering them. That means we need to get off our butts and fight this fight. Right. Amen. And you know that Gene Roddenberry connection with Puharich and the Nine, Roddenberry was one of those people that had extensive contact with uh, uh, Andrea Puharich and uh, was even in contact with the Nine, allegedly, which influenced, um, you know, a lot of the Star Trek series, uh, you know, pretty obvious in the, the one series, Deep Space Nine, you know. So, I mean, it's it's all over the place. It's, it's, you bet. And, it's pretty and, and uh, it's- obvious. And this entity that, that is feeding off of the, the, the pain and the trauma all throughout the years goes from stronghold to stronghold. And, and I, I personally believe that um, it has settled in Rome, in the Vatican, and with the Jesuits simply because that too rose to prominence and to power. So may, I don't even know that it, it started with Loyola, or maybe it was behind Loyola, but the bottom line is, it's there now. Because they control everything. If you look at, oh my goodness, um, uh, Barroso and Van Rompuy, the two guys behind the EU, both were Jesuit trained. Right. Look up where those guys went to school. That was sickening to me. When I saw that, I, I felt this, this, uh, my blood run cold because they're, they're the two big guys behind the EU right now, and they're Jesuit trained too. They right. run it all. Now, I'd like to um, just briefly touch on how this connects uh, with the the big families that we know of the Rothschilds and the such. Um, and then, you know, a part of your book that I think is the most intriguing part of the title, which is, and how we beat it. And so I'd like to get in that as well, but let's, sure. let's talk about the families real quick. Sure. Well, the, um, the Rothschilds are, are powerful. They were, they were tapped into the power of the, the, the myth. I don't know how much of the myth is true, is that they had an insider source with the, the Vatican's army in Napoleon. And um, there was a runner that, that ran after Napoleon was defeated. And um, the news spread that uh, Napoleon had won. And so there was some selling that the Rothschilds had done to exploit that. And all of a sudden, news came back, oh, wait a minute, uh, Napoleon was defeated. So therefore, um, they, they made a killing. And so that's how they started their family fortune. They absolutely are a Luciferian family, but they are another group of Jewish front men. They're nothing more than the accountants for the Vatican. And here's proof. Whenever you see a name that you have to be careful of, um, you know, you see in Glenn Beck, Fox News, great name that they always like to bring up george soros right he's a nazi nazi collaborator a jew who actually helped the nazis confiscate jewish property no one really likes to talk about that betrayer of his own people but everybody knows that he's jewish the rothschilds are jewish they might not even be jewish they might be edomites rothschild red shield esau red and hairy um not really necessary to get into it is because they're just 
propped up there, and they are truly dangerous, but they're not nearly as dangerous as names you've never heard of. Names like Orsini, Breakspear, Eldo Brandini, De Medici. These are names of some of the most powerful people in the world uh, who have intermarried, I believe, and Aldo Brandini married a Rothschild in 1975. And an angel company right now, but I've got a news- newspaper clipping on it. And you've never heard of these names because they That's are fascinating. Pay- they are paying to stay out of the spotlight. And so, the true enemy of mankind. You can focus on the intelligence agencies. It's a good place to start. The central banks, it's a good place to start. Absolutely, billionaires and trillionaires, simply by the basic nature of, of human nature, is that when you have the kind of money these people, they really are almost reptilians in that they're, they live in a world that is so alien and foreign. They can have whatever their, their evil heart desires, and there's nothing. They're not accountable for anything. And so that billionaires and trillionaires are basically, unfortunately, by human nature, automatically the enemy of mankind. Wow. Uh, it's the names you've never heard of or the things they're doing that you haven't heard of. For instance, in 2009, there was a secret meeting in New York City with Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and uh, Michael Bloomberg. And what was the purpose of the secret meeting? Population control. Really? Population control? And this is Bill the Vaccinator Gates, the guy that's going to genetically manipulate mosquitoes so that they can vaccinate us whether we like it or not? Oh, that sounds like a great idea, Bill. Let me line up. I'll volunteer for that. So the, the secret families is the ones you're not hearing about that you have to worry about. The Rothschilds, yes, they're dangerous, but they're up there as part of this. It's the Jews. It's the Zionists. Um, and they actually help. And unfortunately, there are a lot of evil people who have a Jewish background that, that make this uh, a substantive dodge or smokescreen so right. that you're not looking at Vatican and at Rome. And as part of the solution, you guys are part of the solution. And here's, here's what really is important to understand. Don't try this at home. What you guys are doing, what, what, what we're doing, what I'm doing, the only protection that we have, this is the most dangerous organization, this is the dragon, the only protection that we have is the blood of Christ, the King of Kings, and that's what affords us our asylum. I get into these guys that are trying to track down the pedophilia rings, um, the, the mind control, and these guys that aren't people that aren't saved, right. who are getting into these topics, and I'm thinking, could you be any more suicidal? What more could you do that is dangerous? And and even when we have Christ, the Lord will allow us to be sort of pricked and attacked and maybe even, you know, come down with something. But we will be protected. Everything that happens to us is for our greatest good. And he is the key. It's all written in stone. And here's the great thing. The great thing is, is that the king of kings, the great chess master, uses their plot against them. We don't know how far they're going to make it. We don't know how far they're going to go. But all you got to do is love Jesus, get informed, and start making a difference. And you will. And that's how we will turn the tide is waking people up, getting people to look for these signs, um, the role that Georgetown plays, plays in false flags and 9-11, the role that the Jesuits play, the role secret societies play, Freemasons, 
Western intelligence behind jihad, waking people up to this. And of course, you got to be aware of the disinformation. But as people wake up, that's, that's why they do it. The definition of a secret society is a group that has to be secret because why? They fear the common people. That's the reason for the chemtrails and the fluoride and everything else. They are desperately afraid of us, of us being awake, of us being active. And as we wake up and as we become active, that's what we turn, how we turn the tide. It says in Scripture, and particularly in Revelation, and I believe Revelation 17, talks about Mystery Babylon and what Mystery Babylon is and, uh, and the whore of Babylon. Look, I am absolutely convinced that the whore of Babylon is not America. It is Rome. That if America is anything at this point in time, she's unfortunately the beast. She's being ridden by the whore of Babylon. Parasitically, they're driving us to do these evil things all around the world. They're driving our own government to do evil things to our own people. That makes us the beast. But you know what the, the good book says, guys? The beast turns on the whore and devours her. So we need to be awake when you have no idea that the, uh, the advent of the Lord's coming, of his return. And, um, I absolutely, I'm not into dominionism. Dominionism is something that the Jesuits came up with to sidetrack us, but I absolutely am 100% for living Christ in everything that you do. Jesus Christ is either the king of the world or he's the king of nothing. And that means everything, every, every public school, every public venue. You don't have to hit people over the Bible, but stop being so afraid. You see people like, um, uh, like Kent Hovind being beat down for being a Christian and the Jesuits are behind it. Stake, take a stand. Stop playing the game. That Jesuit insurgent, um, uh, Riley, that was this writing for Forbes magazine, is a Jesuit, Jesuit trained. He wrote the last column he wrote before that decision that was made, uh, by that, um, uh, that, that woman judge, um, Cassidy Morgan, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh, the woman judge that, that was previously uh, beaten down Ken Hovind brought her back to beat him down again. The last uh, column that that Riley wrote was, Pensacola has no interest in, Ken, in Kent Hovind. Right. Really? So you tested the waters, you found that people weren't aggravated, people weren't angry, and you said, okay, let's beat him down some more. And that's how we fight. We have to get active. And one of the biggest bits of chloroform the Jesuits have created is the pre-tribulation rapture. Absolutely created from Jesuit insurgent Cyrus I. Schofield and John Darby. Um, the, the Jesuits came up with this. The Jesuits came up with praetorism and futurism to distract Protestants from believing that the Catholic Church was the, the, um, uh, uh, the Antichrist, the Pope was the Antichrist, and the Catholic Church was the final beast. You look back in time, look it up right now. Anybody go on the internet, Google is not a verb. Look in your favorite search engine, look up Jesuit uh, Praetorism, Jesuit Futurism. Praetorism is the idea that we don't have to worry about future prophecy because, oh, it's already taken care of, prophecy's already been enacted. Well, if this is the millennium, I'm not very happy about it. <laughs> Futurism is the idea that the, uh, the prophecy is going to be fulfilled in a split second. We have no idea what's coming down the pike, and, and there's no organization, the Vatican or Rome, that's, that's going to be there. Previously, the, the Antichrist is going to show up. There's a Jesuit behind that, too. And the purpose is to distract people. The Schofield Bible, Schofield was a, was a, was a, uh, a scurrilous individual who was um, put in jail for check fraud, um, they brought him back out, and his the heresies that came from the Schofield Bible are uh, the pre-tribulation rapture, very clear, scripture is extremely clear, read the Bible. This right. says in Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus Christ says very clearly, 
First the tribulation, then the gathering. It couldn't be any more clear. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 tells you, not only will you see the apostasy, you'll also see the man of lawlessness. You are guaranteed as a Christian to see this stuff going on before the rapture. So, Basically, the pre-tribulation rapture is Jesuit chloroform, came out of the Schofield Bible. Another heresy came out of the Schofield Bible is the idea that the Scythians are trace Magog to Russia. So we're all thinking that Russia is going to come and attack Israel, and so as we're watching Russia, we're being distracted from what's really going on around Jerusalem and around Israel. Another... Um, uh, heresy is dispensationalism. The idea that there's this, and, and honestly, it, it, it pains me to say this, that, that Dr. Chuck Missler, uh, the man who is basically my electronic mentor, I, he, Chuck Missler raised me from long distance in his teaching, yeah, teaches yeah. all of these, these heresies, these Schofield heresies. And unfortunately, uh, it appears that Chuck Missler's Jesuit handler is a guy by the name of Hal Lindsey. Hal Linty's great book, The Late Great Planet Earth, was ghostwritten by Carol C. Clarkson, uh, a, a Jesuit in disguise. Uh, Hal Lindsey was divorced four times. His two god daughters go to Jesuit Gonzaga University. And so these, these, um, ideologies have insinuated themselves in through people that we trust. And, and this dispensationalism that, that Dr. Missile talks about the great chess clock and the Lord hits the chess clock and he's only going to work with the, uh, the Gentile church and, and I hate the word church, by the way. I say ecclesia because organized religion is, is the, the tool of Satan. And then he hits the chess clock, and then he only works with Israel. It's patently absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's several examples of how dispensationalism doesn't work. It's not true. Uh, the, great, the greatest example is the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? sign of Jonah is that Jonah is picked as an emissary to go where? To go to, to Assyria, to go to the capital of Assyria in Nineveh, Nineveh right. and, and preach the gospel to whom? To the heathen. To the heathen. And that's why he doesn't want to go. Because these are vicious, evil, nasty people. They, they rip open the wombs of the pre pregnant Israelites. They, they skin people, hang their skins on the, on the city state walls. And Jonah's like, I'm not going to give these, these heathen a chance. We're the Jews. We're the ones that have been safeguarding your gospel all this time. And the Lord was dealing with Jonah, the prodigal son, just like he was dealing with the Ninevites. And so the sign of Jonah, of course, the, 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 the Lord says, that the sign of Jonah is that three days and three nights in the, in the great fish, but there's another sign of Jonah, and that is that the gospel will be sent to the heathen and to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And that's the first example off the top of my head. There's uh, the, the fact that the, um, uh, the temple of Herod was destroyed. The Lord was dealing with the Jews in 70 AD at the same time as he was dealing with the, the, uh, the, um, the baby Christian church at the time. So dispensationalism is, is, is another um, uh, basically a heresy. It's certainly wrong-headed. It came from the Schofield Bible. And finally is, is the idea of, well, what role does Zionism play? What role does, does Israel play? And right now out there, guys, there is so much dis disinformation. There are two extremes on Israel, and both of them are wrong. I'm, I'm convinced that both of them are wrong. The idea that the Jews are behind everything is a smokescreen that comes from the Vatican, that it's the Zionists that traces back to everything is, is uh, the so-called Zionists. That's the one side of the spectrum that's absolutely wrong and satanic. They're setting up the Jews for the next Holocaust. It says in Zechariah 12 that the, the, it's going to be twice as bad as the first Holocaust, the final solution. And the other idea is that no matter what happens, we want political Israel to succeed. Well, that's not true either because 
Israel is an apostate nation. Israel is the prodigal son, and the prodigal son is not going to come home if you keep sending him money. You've yep, got to pray yep. for the conversion of Israel, and that's not going to happen. It's guaranteed in Scripture. Israel first has to get broken. That doesn't mean we have to be part of the breaking of Israel. It just means you stand back. And we now have people that are feeding the opposite extreme of pushing for the the um, uh, the promotion of political Israel and not not the spiritual well-being of Israelis, to the point where we have guys like John Hagee, who is calling into question his his very salvation, when he writes one of his books about how um, Israel is not condemned because Christ never claimed to be the Messiah. And yeah. that's how John Hagee says that uh, there's no condemnation on, on modern Israel right now. Wow. So, And John Hagee is good friends with Benny Hinn, so that tells you everything you need to know uh, about <laughs> who John Hagee works for. So we have to have balance. And listen, what in the armor of God you have... What is it that is the the piece of armor that controls your salvation? The salvation breastplate, helmet, helmet. There you go, brother. It's the yeah. helmet of salvation. Got why it. is it? Why is it the helmet of salvation? Is because it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that saves, and the relationship is not a thing of the heart. The relationship is a mental, conscious decision to love and to sacrifice, and that's what I tell my. My, my, my friends all the time, and I get into this argument, well, what is really love? You have no idea what love is. Love is, there, there's a Western psyop on what love is. Love is sacrifice. Love is the cross. That's why arranged marriages have worked in the past because it is a mental decision to sacrifice. And so we as red pill Christians, we examine the facts. And as we examine the facts, we hold true to what is correct and righteousness. As Paul told us to be good Bereans, to examine the facts. And so that is the key to our success. We don't allow emotion to tear us in one direction or the other. It's like the Israel is the example. It's all the Jews. The Jews are behind the New World Order. Or it's political Israel. We've got to save Israel against our enemies. Listen, if there's one guy in the world that's going to take care of his own people, it's Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of Kings. He's got it. He's got it in his hands. We can remember our Jewish brethren as the the uh, the caretakers of our Messiah, as the caretakers of our gospel. We we worry about them on a constant basis. We want them to come home, but neither do we want to um, make them so comfortable that there's no reason for them to come home. Right. So there's no balance in the discussion on Israel and the Jews, but there's a lot of disinformation being sown about, for instance, the Jews and the Mossad and the Zionists being behind the New World Order, being behind 9-11. There is no way that the Mossad is behind, solely behind 9-11, where is anyone in the United States? Where are the good people in the CIA? Where are the good people in the Pentagon? Where are the good people in politics? In Washington, D.C., oh, by the way, did you know that Washington, D.C. is a mirror image of Rome? There's two things in Washington, D.C. that look exactly like they do in Rome. There's a massive obelisk that we know as the phallus of Osiris across from the womb of Isis. A rotunda across from the obelisk, and that's in Washington, D.C., and guess what? It's at exactly the same in Rome. That should tell you everything you need to know about who owns 
our government who's running things from behind the scenes. And just like you said, guns, the black magic, the paganism, um, the, the, the mysticism of all the past. Who was Osiris? Os- Osiris, the, the, uh, the great king, the mythological, the mythological king who that, uh, uh, evil, evil set caught up behind him. Uh, was actually mirroring the uh, what we believe about Nimrod, um, how Nimrod was uh, the, the the first. Josephus tells us that he was the first great rebellion leader, uh, and that it was uh, Noah's good hu- um, son Shem that uh, captured him and executed him and cut him into pieces. And and that's part of the reason why, by the way, is that uh, the Luciferians so despised the Jews. And this was supposedly done on the 17th of Tammuz. And by the way, guys, the 17th of Tammuz this year falls on July 4th. So I'd like to stick it to the New World Order. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that this July 4th. But um, so Nimrod was supposedly executed and cut into uh, some, some legends say 12 pieces, some say more. And scattered across the waters could have been, uh, you know, Osiris was scattered across the waters of the Nile. And so his... Um, Nimrod's wife, Semiramis, Osiris' wife, Isis. The myth says that uh, she magically impregnated herself with her dead husband. Some myths go into detail about how Dagon the fish god um, found Osiris's, you know, parts, private parts, and helped her to impregnate herself. And really, if there really is anything true about uh, Nimrod and Semiramis, about Osiris and Isis, if there is a truth, then it certainly has to do with her being pregnant outside of her marriage, and who knows how that was done. Um, given what we know about Nimrod and how the um, his becoming a, um, a gibberim, a, a, a mighty man, it actually says that the, the Hebrew word is halel, he, he, that he was um, uh, debased himself to become a mighty man. So what happened? There, there was a technology at that time that uh, either he utilized or fallen angels utilized to bodily change him into a Nephilim, uh, into a Gibberim. And so this may have been what happened to his wife. Uh, she was impregnated somehow and that his offspring, you know, the myth goes that it was Nimrod reborn, it was Osiris reborn, and it be- became Tammuz, it became Hor- um, yeah, Horus. Horus yeah. And um, so... That's all, all part of the myth. And there's, there's a scene I, I absolutely do not recommend any modern movie for, for any good Christian because they're just so filled with crap. But, um, there is a scene through the very, very, uh, fleshly 300, uh, sequel, 300 Rise of an Empire. Do not watch that movie unless you're extremely well grounded. It's graphic. There's even graphic, uh, sex in it. Um, but there is a scene. That, uh, that I put up on my YouTube, that's part of why I'm constantly getting copyright issues, of um, Xerxes going into a cave in a narcotic stupor and rising out of these golden waters as a Nephilim, as a reborn giant. And, mm. and I guarantee you that that's part of the technology that they're thinking of in regards to Nimrod and, uh, and what we're dealing with. And, and yes, the, the Jesuits have no problem with using the black arts uh, 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 Bovatsky says so when ISIS unveiled. That's because it's, it's the incorporeal nature of our enemy. They're riding the Jesuits right now. They're probably going to ride them in through to, to the end. And uh, so we're awake and our, uh, our protection is the blood of Christ. Amen. You know, I, there's, there's so many things that I want to tackle. Um, I mean, one of the things I just want to comment on, the Zionist thing that you bring up, I, I'm so glad you touched on that because it's a topic that I 
recently got into and got some heat for and stuff like that. But if you go to the uh, Israeli Supreme Court, there is an area called Dorothy the Rothschild Grove, and there's an obelisk there. So, you know. Oh, you bet. And there's also a painting um, of the, uh, the, the, the original heads that put together Israel at the time. And there's a Rothschild in the painting in the Supreme Court, in the Israeli Supreme Court. Right. Absolutely. Look, the Luciferians are completely behind the birth of the rebirth of Israel. But okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean that we want to join um, jihadis and Nazis and push the <laughs> Jews into the, into the ocean? Well, well, yeah. No, it just means that they're helping to foment this idea that it's, it's the Jews. And look, Israel is here to stay. They're, they're going to continue to be a small nation because they're apostate. They're not um, recognizing the King of Kings, their Jewish Savior, and they will recognize in due time um, when enough uh, comes to fruition. And, and I'll tell you, guys, the, uh, the Vatican is setting them up for a terrible Holocaust. Another Holocaust is coming. Anytime you get onto a truth-related red pill, anything, channel, YouTube, podcast, that's the first thing that comes up. Uh, and I, it's a shame that I know that um, uh, there's another uh, publication, Veterans Today, that is run by, by a guy that, that um, is real big onto the It's the Jews and, and uh, he uses uh, Rebecca as, as, a, as a source for Adam Mossad, these double agents. Look, there's no way that the CIA is going to be oblivious of the Mossad conducting false flags. And that's what people have to understand. Wait a minute. If the CIA and the FBI are behind, this is a, uh, Kennedy. Go back to Kennedy. Both the CIA, they said that poor Lee Javier Oswald was trying to tell the FBI that um, that there were plots against Kennedy's life. That would be like telling Claudius that Brutus wants to kill Julius Caesar. And they were both together in on killing Julius Caesar. Hey, uh, the FBI, guys, guys, FBI, the CIA is trying to kill. The- oh, okay, thanks. We'll take care of you, pal. And so... How could it possibly be that our own institutions, and by the way, the FBI was created, the OSS was created by Knight of Malta, William Donovan. The FBI was created by Charles Napoleon, Catholic insurgent and agent of Rome, of the Vatican, staunch Catholic, um, board member of the Catholic University of the United States. Um, from its inception, all of our intelligence agencies, where is the NSA headquartered? The NSA is headquartered in the Catholic colony of Maryland. George Calvert Lord Baltimore was the, the Catholic host of the colony of Maryland, was their, their foothold, their toehold in the United States. So there's good reason that the NSA was, was, uh, has their headquarters there in, in the Catholic colony of Maryland. And you ask yourself, how is it possible? The FBI and the CIA, our own intelligence agencies, are behind some of the most treasonous things you could possibly think of. 3,000 people died. You look at those pictures of those people jumping out of the World Trade Center, and they're on fire, and they're plummeting to their death. Are you kidding me? And people on the inside, our own nation, our own CIA was behind that? At the bare minimum, you knew it was going on, and you put, put your hands up and, and, and looked the other way. But clearly, as you look deeper, there was far more involved than that there was no jihadi that was training in fact usa is it usa today i've got a secular source a regular source that talks about how uh, several of these hijackers trained at pensacola at the navy right. flight school in pensacola uh look it was all a psyop they put these uh wahhabist saudis in as the front men to make us believe that it was uh, jihadis and saudi arabia was installed um the the the, the house of saud was installed and, and willing 
collaborators and all of this. But how is it possible that the CIA is behind grabbing American citizens and experimenting on them with narcotics for the purpose of mind control? Are you kidding me? Of murdering American citizens and false flags. You couldn't think of these things. How do you come up with this level of hatred for our own citizens? It has to be that these institutions are run by an outside foreign malignant agency. And my research says that's wrong. Yikers. You know, it's, um, sorry, I keep touching back on the Zionist thing. And I know that it's, it's, it's a very, very touchy subject. And I've gotten a lot of heat for just being critical. But at the same time, I'm, my whole message has always been to pray for the Jewish people that are in Israel right now to repent and to turn to Christ. But for some reason, that makes me anti Semitic, you know, because I'm not like politically. Uh, supporting the nation of Israel, so to speak, you know, and there's stuff out there that's information that is really incriminating in terms of like, oh, it's all about the Jews doing evil things. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm merely skeptical of this. You can say Darby dispensationalist perspective, uh, perpetuated by Hal Lindsey, as you stated that, uh, some people call it the Hal Lindsey hangover where, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like Israel is, is, you know, 1948 prophecy was fulfilled and this might be blasphemy for some people listening. They, you know, people might turn it off or whatever. But to me, the restoration of the nation of Israel is is God's business. Like God is going to do it. If you read all those Old Testament prophecies that talk about it, it it's talking about the Lord restoring Israel. You know, so it's hard for me to think that. And there's other stuff that's that surrounds it that says like, you know, uh, I put it put in a new spirit. I will wash you clean. Things like that. And I don't know that that happened in 1948. You know. So at best, it's kind of a partial fulfillment of prophecy, but also, you know, I'm curious to get your take on some other people's research. You know, Chris White is someone that I really look up to and I really respect his research. And if you hadn't read his books, uh, False Christ and also Mystery Babylon, it's not uh, incompatible with the Rome thing because it, it really actually is uh in the way you describe the the whole zionist front it, it seems to work together but basically his research is not based on any sort of um uh you know it's not based on the news stories or uh you know the mainstream media and and other sources it's it's strictly a bible study and so i, I really wish people would take a look at it for that you know for that reason alone his research has led him to suggest and he's willing to be wrong on this and and you know i i think he's pretty solid on his interpretation of scripture but his theory is that the antichrist will claim to be or present himself to be the jewish messiah and that mystery babylon uh as described in revelation 17 and 18 is actually the city of jerusalem the eschatological jerusalem not jerusalem now but the eschatological jerusalem where obviously it's pretty obvious in scripture the man of sin will stand in the in the holy place declare himself to be god etc etc that whole part of it and um i mean he he has several references to where you know the various spices and the gold and all the things that are necessary for the the temple it's the same thing that you read in revelation 17 18 as you do back in the old testament i believe it's in ezekiel i could be wrong there uh but it's the same objects needed for temple worship how does that sort of picture or or possible outcome fit in with in your mind you know just hearing it from me i I can't lay out the whole argument obviously sure but how does that you know could that be a possible way that the in terms of rome and the jesuits you know setting up a antichrist figure that is for the purposes of 
the world to see a, a fulfillment of because the whole premise behind Chris White's theory is that the reason why he's going to claim to be the Jewish Messiah is because he is going to make it look like he is fulfilling the messianic prophecies. You know, for example, you know, destroying the enemies of Israel. Uh, Daniel, uh, I believe, chapter 11, verses 40 through 45 talks about, you know, all these nations surrounding Israel being destroyed by the Antichrist on his way to uh, Jerusalem, where he sets up his tent and all this stuff, you know, so it's a compelling argument because it's it's a little bit of a different take than your traditional view that, you know, Israel will never fall again. And it's, you know, it's um it's protected forever and, and all this stuff. Whereas historically, when you look at the Old Testament, I mean, you know, Israel was slapped around a lot, you know, because of disbelief, because of um, turning their backs to God. And, and things like that. So I just I kind of want to just get your thoughts on that. Sure, sure. And and I agree with you. I, I'm not familiar with Chris's uh, uh, work, and I will take a look at it. And I agree with you that it could very easily fit in. The, the Pope, and isn't it interesting that we currently have our first Jesuit Pope, eyes right. Jerusalem. The center of Yahweh's universe is Jerusalem. So it will be absolutely the key player in end times, uh, uh, eschatological prophetic fulfillment absolutely is is the place to keep an eye on. Um, off the top of my head, I would say that Mystery Babylon for me is still the system by which Rome, city in seven hills, and John tells you that the seven heads are seven hills, doesn't get more much more clear than that, and seven hills the seven hills of Rome is so obvious that it's actually a Wikipedia entry. And we know how easy it is to edit out Wikipedia. So you think, well, wow, okay, pretty well established there anyway, the seven hills of, of Rome. So, um, look, this goes all the way back to the promise to Abraham and the idea that we, the Lord will bless those who bless Abraham and curse those who curse Abraham. What is a blessing and what is a curse. Certainly, if you insulate someone from their sins and don't allow them to see their need for a savior, that's a curse. That's not a blessing. So if you say that you're for political Israel and you do nothing to show them how they're an apostate nation, the, I was doing some research and I think the, um, one of the largest gay pride parades in the world is in Tel Aviv. Yeah, I, that's right. Really? I, I come on, man. It, it's an, yeah, there's also, a, there was a law that was passed in, I believe, 1977 that prevents people from actually preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. Yes, yes. They, they absolutely want um, uh, Christians to visit Israel and spend your money there, but don't you dare proselytize. So, um, look, of course the Luciferians were absolutely key in the rebirth of, um, of the nation of Israel. And... That's the Lord is sovereign. The Lord is sovereign. And so he sure. had that in his plan. But um, I think it's very important not to get fixated on the role that the Zionists play because they're being set up. They're doing it willingly because they're evil people, but they're, they're being set up. So the, the system clearly is just that. It's a system. There's the finance of incorporated London. London is her own city-state. There's the slave labor of communist China, and the Jesuits ruled in China, um, and the Jesuits created communism. And then there's the military might of the United States that is run by, by, by Jesuit insurgents. You know, you look back on 
um, let me pull this up from a, from an old column that I wrote about uh, how we got our our current uh, Secretary of Defense. Um, remember, he replaced uh, Ashton Carter as our current Secretary of Defense. And you're wondering, well, wait a minute, at, at Barack Obama. He, uh, oh, he's a, he's a Muslim, right? He's a Muslim and a communist, so he's going to do whatever's good for Islam. But wait a minute. No, he actually is being controlled by Rome and the Vatican. Ashton Carter. Why was Ashton Carter selected? Ashton Carter was educated at St. John's Oxford, the Counter-Reformation College. Ashton Carter replaced Chuck Hagel. Now, Chuck Hagel is Episcopalian, um, but Episcopalian is catholic light. Episcopalian is completely messed up. They have their own um, woman archbishop, and they have their um, they have the first homosexual bishop who's been married and now divorced. Uh, Episcopalians are completely run secretly by the Jesuits. The um, one of the play actors at Sandy Hook went to an Episcopalian college. Um, Nicole Hoakley was uh, Episcopalian, and uh, she was in, big in acting in college for some reason before she became an, a Sandy Hook bereaved parent. Um, but Chuck Hagel, the Episcopalian, well, he taught at Jesuit Georgetown. How about that? Hagel took over for Leon Panetta. Leon Panetta was an apparatchik from the Clinton administration. Where did he come from? Well, Leon Panetta was educated at Santa Clara, the Jesuit College of the Silicon Valley. He was brought back from the Clinton administration not just to be the Secretary of Defense, but the Director of the CIA. And I believe he was Director of the CIA during the Benghazi debacle in 2012. So all you have to do is know where to look. You look at someone, as soon as you see something, someone that's key, you look at their background, you look at their religious affiliation, you look at their education, and you look at the people in their orbit, and you will almost always see a Jesuit in the woodpile. So I would say let's be very careful. We as Gentile Christians are grafted in. The most important thing about trying to understand prophecy and scripture is humility. You lay it before the scarred feet of Yeshua, who himself is a Jew. He's the king of kings, and he will take care of the apostate nation of Israel in his time. And God, you said it, brother. You said it. I think the best thing to do about Israel is just hands off. They're absolutely key players in the New World Order. They're run by Luciferians, but guess what? Just like Luciferians run everywhere in the West, there's no way that you're going to keep doing these poisonous, false flags, these policies. Uh, Sydney, Australia, Charlie Hebdo in Paris, the uh, influx of the Muslim 7-7 in, 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 in the UK, that, that you're not going to have people that are purely 100% co-opted traitors that are running these Western nations. They're doing it for the Pope and for the Vatican. So you got the same thing in Israel. Yes, it's run by Luciferians. Yes, it's the focus of all of this trouble. But the real problem is that final beast, that final dragon that looks like no other, and it looks like no other because it's morphed. It's no longer a political entity like the old Roman Empire. It's a new, secret, subversive entity that they have their own incorporated city. Vatican City is incorporated just like Washington, D.C., just like London. So you got the Banking of London, the Triad, Banking of London, the uh, the, the communist slave labor in Beijing, and the, the, um, the military might of the United States being wielded 
or crusades, little crusades, just like George W. Bush said, a crusade, slipped out of him, the skull and bones guy, George W. Bush, uh, skull and bones from, from a Catholic William F. Buckley, that, um, you know, the secret societies are how they pull off this high treason. So I would say absolutely, Jerusalem is the center, Israel is run by Luciferians, but Mystery Babylon, now that's the city in Seven Hills. Mm, okay. Well, I, I I recommend you read uh, Mystery Babylon by Chris White, just because he has good arguments, and there again, there's scripture sure. interpreting scripture arguments. But you know, one last thing regarding Israel that I'd like to do is just read a couple scriptures. Uh, you got Galatians three uh, verse eight, where it says, "And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed.' You know that everyone argues the whole you know Genesis twelve thing there." Um, but then, wait, wait, that's easy to answer right now. Not to cut you off, guns. Go ahead. All the nations have already been blessed. His name is Yeshua. Amen. He is the seed of Abraham. Done. The nations have Amen. already been blessed. Amen. That, that's that's really the point I've been trying to make. But uh, I'm an anti-Semitic for suggesting that. Uh, Romans nine uh, six through eight. It is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So, Amen. And Galatians, I believe it's in Galatians, where it talks about the breaking down of the retaining wall. Yeah. There was a, uh, a retaining wall for proselytes that, can, that uh, Gentile proselytes could not go past the retaining wall inside the temple grounds right. because they were Gentiles that didn't have the proper Jewish lineage of proper bloodlines and in christ are the two the two have become one right so right and this is not replacement theology i i want to say that because i will be accused of that as well you bet it is not it is not and listen um i know that uh that um rob skiba great guy great teacher um is is being accused of going to the opposite extreme and and and, uh, hebrew roots and so forth i think he's got a great point that says that the Jewish religion was created by Yahweh, and, and as tradition states, that it was dictated letter for letter to Moses um, on, um, in, in the, for the Tanakh. And the reason for that is because it is, it is Yahweh-breathed, and on every single page is Yeshua. And so if you investigate the traditions and the feasts of Israel and you look deeply into it, you will see Yeshua on every page. So we have to be very careful not to alienate ourselves from our Hebrew heritage because Jesus Christ is on every single page of the Old Testament. The, on the road to Emmaus, he taught the two disciples from the Old Testament alone all about him. So it's important not to alienate ourselves, but it's also important not to go to the other extreme and go to the Schofield heresy of Christian Zionism that ignores the fact that they, Israel is an apostate nation. And so we have to be there for Israel spiritually, and basically the best thing to do right now is just hands off. Don't worry about whether Israel is successful politically because they're run by Luciferians, they're in on the deal, and um, they're an apostate nation. So we pray for them. The most important critical factor is humility. Right. You walk forward. You ask the Lord Jesus, Lord, please show me the right way to the right interpretation, the right way to go. I know, as it says in Romans 9, 10, 11, 
we are the wild olive branch. We are grafted in. We have no right, no business thinking or, or, or being proud of, of our salvation because we were never in the plan. That was part of the mystery that angels longed to, to see into is that, that heathen, Gentile heathen would be invited to accept the scripture, the sign of Jonah. So we always walk forward in humility, but in sad humility for our apostate Israeli brethren. Sure, sure. And you know, it's interesting you bring up Jonah because uh, Dr. Future had actually used that story of Jonah to demonstrate the hands-off sort of model uh, because, you know, the, the people on the boats that, that were carrying Jonah, they wanted to help Jonah because they knew he was a prophet of God, but it wasn't, and he, they were really reluctant to throw him off, basically, but they did. And when they did, that's when God's plan went into effect and, and you know, Jonah... You know, bingo. went through the whole thing. Exactly. So, Doctor, yeah, bingo. Doctor Bennett's got it right, and and he and I are kind of kindred souls right now because the, with what our projects did, he uh, with his project um, questioning Christian tradition in regards to Israel, and and me with my project, um, we're both had to go through uh, publishing our books by our by ourselves, and so we sent some humorous emails back and forth to each other about, hey, first one to get, <laughs> first one to <laughs> surmount these challenges and get past these brick walls, you know, wins. Uh, but uh, Dr. Bennett did an excellent job in making people question themselves without, and, and that's and back to the helmet of salvation. The first thing that folks want to do is when they sow disinformation, they want to appeal to emotion. Right. They throw out words like anti-Semite or, or Zionist. Either one is supposed to evoke um, uh, an emotional reaction that disconnects you from your brain. Do you, do you think that's an actual controlled sort of thing? I mean, I mean, it goes back to the Holocaust, and I don't want to get too far into it because we're running out of time, but uh, do you think that just the Holocaust itself was sort of used you know perhaps even by the jesuits as knowing that it's going to be a very you know emotionally driven charged thing and now the word anti-semitic is almost like a weaponized word thoroughly used it's it's like a, a gyroscope that's in balance and the jesuits constantly push the gyroscope out of balance with these assaults um it's 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 zionism versus um um, you know the pro the pro Christians for Israel and so forth. They use this emotionalism to keep toppling the gyroscope out of balance. And I, they also unfortunately do despise the Jews. Jews and Christians were the premier victims of the um, the Inquisition, and the Inquisition lasted centuries. It wasn't just over in uh, a short period of time. It lasted for centuries, and that's why the Jews are being set up right now for another Holocaust, uh, as are, unfortunately, Muslims being set up, and as are Christians, Protestant Christians in America, they're all we're all being set up for this this uh, this ultimate of of this balance back and forth. And it, as a matter of fact, the proof of this is in the constant frustration of the people of Amer of America that you're you're being beat down. Your vote doesn't matter. Everything you do doesn't matter. You're waiting for someone to step up and make a difference for you. And when they finally step up, it's going to be another Hitler. And that Hitler is going to go down in flames because the, the Luciferian New World Order does its most focused work from the left end of the political spectrum. So we'll raise the right end, the phony right end, to be dysfunctional and fascist and Nazis, which are actually socialists that actually have a combination of billionaires and big business, also traitors who have no allegiance to the nation, with the co-opted political puppets, 
So uh, a phony right that is actually a partial left that's raised up for the for the final example of of you know of McInerney and Paul Valley saying, well, the, the military might have to depose Barack Obama. Well, guess what? Who's going to replace him is another Hitler, and he's going to go down in flames. And the next, uh, the Antichrist could very well be a pope who wishes to rule from Jerusalem. Right, and we didn't even get into the the alien agenda to try to mix that oh in because that's you a whole bet. other rabbit trail that uh, maybe. And a great one, thanks to you and all the stuff that you've covered with uh, both you guys of of uh, of CERN and what is your real reality and uh, and 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 the late uh, Patty Heron, God God love him, with the, his great ideas of, you know. It may not be Nephilim that come back, but actual demons that come back and roam the earth. Hey, just like the Avengers, you open up a portal and there's an actual demon Avenger, the demon demon army that streams through the portal. Yeah, and I'm actually my my next video here that I'm I've already sort of laid out is looking at the preview of Age of Ultron, which of course Ultron, the you know peacekeeping project of uh, Tony Stark's goes haywire, creates a mind of his own. Uh, you know, he's no longer attached to strings with the Pinocchio reference, and then he's trying to eliminate humanity, and then it's the uh, transhuman heroes that will come save the day, and um, all of it being released on May 1st. Uh, Outstanding. Here, uh, to see it. <laughs> if you know what to look for, like the, the magic Jesuit walking around the circle in, in symmetry, you know what to look for, you see it, but if you don't know what to look for, then you're not going to see it, and that's what's so important about what we do. Basil, how you feeling, brother? You still under the weather? feeling <laughs> yeah yeah feeling great feeling good over here good man uh, no it's, it's been great uh talking to you man this has been actually a really cool conversation i know the last half here i've just kind of been sitting back but um as we are kind of running out of time is there something you want to leave us with is your final message um before we we sure, take a little sure. break and go take some antibiotics I would I would say to uh, to keep us keep us all in prayer, God's Basil, myself, keep us in prayer as we try to put out the information that is really going to make a difference to um, uh, protect us as we as we poke the dragon and for people to do their own research. We put out a lot of information today of stuff that you can look up on your own, and that's our intent is to get people to wake up by looking stuff at you on your own. Listen, don't be swayed by emotion. Everything you know is a lie. Everything you've been told is a lie. It could be all the way down to whether you live in an actual simulation or not. What What is really space? What is out there in space? What you've been taught about war is a lie. War is a completely fabricated um, agenda to make money for the Luciferian elite and to, and to punish the enemies of Rome. But don't take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. Don't be afraid. Get off your rear end. You have a requirement. If you say that, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Master, your Savior, you have a requirement to live for him. And it's so sad that we have to go to Jesuit-trained Mel Gibson for a movie like uh, um, The Passion. If you look it up, his um, his Aramaic interpreter was a Jesuit by the name of um, Fulcrum, I think, um, who was his, his handler, his Jesuit handler. But even so, and that's the, the key, is you know the rule, guys. The rule is, is that the Luciferians have to let you know what's going on. Mm, and right. so even so... 
they were allowed to to make in a very 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 powerful movie in the, the Passion of the Christ. And as you as you watch Catholic James Caviezel go through that amazing torture, look, the Lord was still involved, even though the Jesuits made that darn movie. You have to do for Christ. You have to live for Christ the way he lived for you. And that means now. And you understand that what the lie that you're living was fabricated as a smokescreen to keep you intimidated, to keep you down, to keep you from just sitting in a corner. You sit in a corner and wait for Scotty to beam you up in their pre-tribulation rapture. That's not your responsibility. If you love Christ, you need to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And get off your butt and start doing something. You listen to Gon, you listen to Basil, you take these facts that you get and you start blogging to yourself. You start giving this information out to other people and wake them up because that's what the New World Order fears. Amen. They fear the awakening of the sleeping giant. Amen. Yeah. And that's a great point. Like you said, the, the, like the title of your book, um, uh, and how we beat it and how to beat it. And that's exactly it. You know, it's not just up to Gons and myself. It's not just up to you. It's not just up to all the other great people doing the same work. But, um, you got the internet. You got links. You got for now. For now. For now. We still have it <laughs> for, for now. now. You got all this. Now. You got all this stuff. Get on top of it. Um, share it with people. There you go. Um, cause that's exactly what they fear. All right, Johnny. Well, thank you so much for your time today, man. This has been really cool. And, um, you guys. Why don't you tell everybody where we can uh, get your book and read more of your stuff? Sure, sure. Stuff you can like that. get it on Amazon, uh, Illuminati on Mass. Or you can go to my website, uh, johnnysarucci.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y-C-I-R-U-C-C-I. And uh, all the links are there. You can, there's, a, there's a button for Illuminati on Mass there. It's also available in Kindle. Uh, I, do a, I do a podcast in my spare time as well, try to, to get the information out there and also write columns on my own time as well. So uh, the information's out there, guys, and... and uh, I'm very grateful for for you and your ministry as well. So there you have it, guys. I hope everybody really enjoyed that as much as I did. It's been a while since we did like a Illuminati heavy episode. I mean, I guess they, I guess they pretty much come up in every episode. But you know, that was kind of a more of a you know focused yeah thing. I, I really wish we could have gone more into the alien stuff and you know because obviously with chris putnam and tom horn and their work they've uncovered a whole lot of stuff with the lucifer telescope over in mount graham and it's controlled and and you know influenced by the jesuits and they sort of you know own the land or control the area there or whatever yeah weird stuff going on there and you know all the yeah. pseudoscience stuff that's going on looking for aliens or planet X or the ceiling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a, it was actually kind of nice to take kind of a deeper look into the Jesuits specifically because, you know, they're kind of a, a big hiding in plain sight type of situation as well. Um, you know, yeah, but it's, I thought it was good because I think we needed a Johnny Cerucci to come out and, and, and sort of lay it all out there because I've heard so much of the Jesuit stuff, but there hasn't been like a concise, you know, tome. And right. his, his book is a tome. I mean, ni- almost 900 pages. It, it is a big, big book. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, between that and Dr. Future's books, which will probably be, you know, all together like 50,000 pages or something, <laughs> you will have enough information to uh, explode your brain. It will explode. All right. So there you go. Well, as usual, everybody, if you didn't 
haven't already done it from the top of the episode, please go to our Facebook, go to our iTunes, like us, uh, leave a review and a rating. Let us know what you think. Um, we got a lot of guns. You're posting a lot of good stuff, uh, videos on our Facebook, Canary Cry Radio, a lot of daily you're doing those daily or something right i'm, I'm trying um I, I will say this and, and i'm not gonna spill everything but there has been an opportunity set in front of me that may take me away from that a little bit mm. uh but uh i'm not gonna spill any beans yet but it's very exciting so pray for me okay prayed for all right there you go everybody oh also you can go to canarycryradio.com where we have show notes we have a forum we have all sorts of good stuff you can also listen to the episode there if you're not already doing that also if you're looking for a way to support canary cry radio in a more monetary sense you can also go to the support tab there and uh you can give a gift it is a gift it is non-tax deductible unfortunately but it comes straight from your heart in two hours and there you can um sign up for a monthly thing where you just sign up for uh, a small gift every month and it's just automatically it's automatic it's done it's there forget about it it's all good um or if commitment's not your thing you can make a one-time donation in any amount and we really appreciate that it helps keep the lights on over here um keep stuff uh coming out more frequently as you can see in the 2015 we've been trying real hard to be a little bit more frequent um because we've got a lot of complainers out there who are just just kidding they're not complainers yeah, they just so, want to hear more yeah so um, send so, us your uh your jesuit iou papers your bank notes in a, in a digital non-physical non-backed we, up by any gold format yes we also accept gold bullion um <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio we hope you enjoyed it make sure to tune in to the next one but until you do think outside the cage Thank you.